before we get started, let me tell you about patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There we have exclusive shows such as So Tell Me, an introspective show about my life. That's what So Tell Me is. People apparently love that show a lot. <laughs> um, Hard Asses with Jody B. That is the show that me and Jody B do monthly that um gets a little while. The D&D Podcast, which is a show I do with my son, which is a review show of movies and TV shows and stuff like that. You get to see the side, other side of my son. And we have much, much more stuff to check out there. We also have a show with Mike Fowler and other things that you will just love. So go on Patreon.com slash Delvin Cox Experience. Also, shout out to Patreon producers, Ben Goodwin, A.K. Ghost Rider UK, Mikey Famine, and Douglas Regert Johnson. Thank you, guys. Peace. Why am I messing this up all the time? I've never messed this up before, and I'm messing it up twice now. No pressure, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. (laughs) I'm rusty. That's what happened when you start dating and doing all this other weird shit. (laughs) The sake's catching up. That sake, man. (laughs) Let's try this one more time. Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I'm on a one-man mission to unite our culture to diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox. This week, we have an all-star lineup of people. We're back to the gun control conversation. We're going to finish it this time. Got everybody here. I have a different cast of people to talk about the episodes and stuff like that. With one familiar guest, who an actual person who was on one of the episodes a year ago. Yes, I recorded this all a year ago. As people who know the story, I've told it on the podcast before. Recorded it a year ago. As I was finishing it, I got depressed because the shit kept happening. Like, you know, this is this problem is not going to be solved. This is like a depressing conversation to have. So I didn't put it out. I said, I'm going to step away from it and put it back out later on. So I put it back out later on, which was this year. People have received it, listened to it, enjoyed it. Now we're here to talk about it. So with that being said, let me go down the list of people. I have my guy, Ken, from how you say it, Ken? Bjorn's Keep? Bjorn's Keep, yep. Yeah. The Viking. Let's just call Ken the Viking. That's the best way to describe him. <laughs> yeah, so I also have Alex, a.k.a. Midnight Mo, who has been on a multitude of podcasts, including one of my favorite series, Legacy of Star Wars Audio Drama, which is amazing. I also <laughs> have the man, the myth, the legend, John Jamingo, 
from the Boomer Bunker podcast, the man who made many black people and white people mad. <laughs> what are you talking about gun control? <laughs> what I do. The episodes. <laughs> and, and last, but certainly not least, the man from one of my favorite podcasts in the world, a person I'm happy to call a friend, my dude, my brother, a person I've actually met in person, my dude, my brother, Otis from the What Up Doe podcast. What Up Doe. As always, like to start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five answers to get the ball rolling. This episode is no different. So, fellas, are you ready? I'm ready. Yep. Ready. Let's go. Question number one. What is your choice, drink of choice? Simple question. Who goes first? Now, let me, let me make this clear. When okay. I say drink of choice, it doesn't have to be alcoholic. Just in general. I guess, Ken, you go first. It's like you'll say some Viking ale or some shit like that. No, because I don't drink alcohol. I, I, I don't drink any alcohol at all. Um, so non-alcoholic Viking ale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> A&W root beer. There you go. How's that? Fill my drink more up with that. I drink that a lot. That's my favorite. Mainly because of Snoopy. I'm a big Snoopy I, fan. I don't think oh, yeah, that's right. He did drink the hell out of that, didn't he? Yes. Joe Cool. That was my guy. All right, who's, who's up there? I guess, Bob, you go next. What's your drinking choice, buddy? Me? I'm sorry. Um, I've been in the old fashions lately. My my uh, other podcast, Brand X podcast, my co-host Deuce comes in, and he makes old fashions, and we sit here and talk and bullshit. And uh, I never had one before, but, uh, you know, once a month he comes in here and we day drink. So I've been a fan of old fashions lately. I, I have a funny story about that. <laughs> I had one this past weekend as well. <laughs> Old really? fashioned. And it How'd was you like it? Fucking terrible. <laughs> my my girl, like, you know, like I told you, she tries to make me alcoholic. She ordered one, right? I'll because she ordered it because she she my my girl like does TikTok videos and stuff like that for her cooking blog and stuff. So she ordered one because it like the one that she ordered, it like smokes when they bring it to you and it looks all cool and stuff. Yeah, I so, had so she ordered it. She tried it. She's like, this is really strong. You should try this. I'm like, should I? <laughs> I said, yes, the, nine, the, the nine drinker drinker yes. try this. This is strong. Yeah. And, and, I, and I tried it like that. That thing tasted straight up like paint. And I'm like, oh, this is awful. I don't want to try. Oh, it's very alcohol. Yeah, yeah, it tastes like, well, he makes one with bourbon. He'll make one with rye. I'm a fan of the bourbon. Okay. And it, it's a really weird drink because when you first taste it, it's got a lot of alcohol to it. But it has, as you go down, as you drink it down, it, the flavor palette changes. I don't know how to explain it, but by the time you get down to the bottom of it, I, I really enjoy it. I think that's so. what exactly happened. I think because I had the first taste, I got nothing but alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 what is this? But yeah, it was an experience, though. Cool restaurant, though. All right, I guess, Alex, you go next. What's your drink of choice, buddy? Well, it used to be. I don't. I don't actually drink anymore. But when I did drink, it was. An, I like a nice cold Corona with lime. Okay. Yeah, I like. I'm a. I like beer. Now it's just boring water all day, every day. That's why I said it could be. A, it could be a non-alcoholic beverage as well. Yeah. That's why I put that in there. I know some yeah. of us don't drink. Yeah, but, but yeah. I do love. I love a nice cold beer. I especially to drink Corona. Corona when I was in um, college, because you yeah. know. I, when you go to like clubs, mm-hmm. they make you buy a drink. And Corona usually was the cheapest drink you could buy. It was the one that wouldn't really get you drunk. So like, all right, I'll just drink one of these the whole goddamn night. That yeah. was my thing. 
I've put in, I put, I used to work in the nightlife scene in, uh, in New York. So I've put in my drinking time. And then <laughs> once the forties came around, <laughs> my body was like, no, <laughs> no more of this. <laughs> Yeah, that that bounce back ain't what it used to be, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, what's your drink of choice? Um, I, I like I like stouts and I like high ABV stouts. So, um, uh, Bourbon uh, Bourbon County makes really good stouts. Um, yeah. So just generally, just I like beer. I like beer a lot. I like a lot of like dark stouts, higher ABV. You know? higher the better to I mean i don't have to drink much to 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 you know i remember in my 20s used to be drinking cases of budweiser and pissing this shit out the whole night you know <laughs> i could drink a one good nice abb you know higher abv 13 percent, and i'm good i don't have to keep running to the bathroom you know it's all good yeah i, I, I like a good i got like a good beer look good good stout right. excuse me great, great answer great answer question number two it's going to be a fun question. If all the serial mascots got into a fight, who would win? Serial mascots? Oh, yes, like Captain Crunch, the Trix Rabbit, or the Lucky Charms, Tony the Tiger, Sugar Bear, of course. Those are the main ones I can think of. Oh, the Cinnamon Toast Crunch um, Bakers. I'm, Man, that's that's a good I, one. I'm going. For, I'm going to go first. I'm going to get okay. my guy. I'm going to take the leprechaun because he's got magic. And he will ball their asses. He throw a spell on them. Next thing you know, they're bleeding out their eyes. They got all okay. kinds of shit wrong with them. It's not a bad I'm choice. With, I'm with John on this one. Magic. That is true. Did it? I'm trying to think. Yeah, he 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 was the one running away with the cereal. And the kids never got the cereal from him. He's kind of an asshole. <laughs> just about that. This is what your cereal, man. Give him a, give him a bowl of cereal. <laughs> Wasn't didn't Cookie Crisp have a wizard for? At one point, they did. Yes, they did have a so, wizard. Uh, if we're going oh. magic, I would take the other magic character. Take that one. We'll go like Dumbledore versus uh, uh, Gandalf here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did have a wizard a long time ago. They had a wizard. Yeah, it was like eighties. Then they turned it to a cop. <laughs> yeah, it was a cop and a dog. It'd be like yeah. Cookie Crisp. Yeah, that's when I stopped eating Cookie Crisp. They were like, I don't know about this. <laughs> then you have the you have the Count Chocula and Dracula. Yeah, anyways, they that's had that. So you had you had yeah. So there's all kinds of choose from really. Booberry and Frankenberry. Yeah, I, yep. I forgot Booberry. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to look some of these up because I really didn't remember a lot of the characters for the serial. Like Toucan Sam. Toucan Sam. There's, um, Toucan Sam. The frog Diggum. Oh yeah. Yeah. Honey smacks. He would smack the bowl or something or smack sugar, sugar would, smacks. Yeah, he would smack the, the rice and it would go poof, you know, to the rice puff or something. I vaguely Pop, remember Pop sugar Pop high watching. Was that. A cereal, by the way. Papa has a cereal. Oh, all those old 80s, yes, 70s, and mm-hmm. 80s had cart. I mean, Mr. T had cereal too. at one point. <laughs> you know, Pac-Man good. had a cereal. Yeah. Ghostbusters. I remember Popeye's cereal specifically because it was terrible. That that was a cereal <laughs> for poor people. It came in like a bag. It didn't even have a box. It just came in a bag. 
Like, why y'all giving me this cereal in a bag? Like, it was the cereal I had the boxes, boxes, and then the big jumbo bags in the bottom shelf. Big bag of cereal with Popeye's name on it. Like, ah, this is. Was it green? No, it wasn't green. It looked like um, looked like Lucky Charms, but without the um, the marshmallows. Oh, like what the fuck was that? Was it like was it like Lucky O's or something? Like it was like. Yeah. Pipes or something. Pipes yeah, it was something and... weird. I remember it specifically because I'm like, this is not something anyone would want. I, Pipes, I remember as a Jeeps kid, and... they used to buy it for us. Like, no, stop buying this, please. Well, I think in a full-on fist fight, I'm taking uh, Tony the Tiger. You know, he like he hits the gym. I think he could, you know, throw, throw a few guys around. So I, I'm I'm going Tony the Tiger on that. Probably take steroids. Always hyped up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sugar from the cereal, man. <laughs> Yeah, because there's a lot of fucking sugar in that cereal. Because you know Tony Tiger drinks the milk at the bottom of the bowl because that has all the sugar. Oh, left. absolutely. He's yeah. absolutely yeah. drinking the milk out the bottom. Definitely. Like it. So everybody asked, Alex, you asked it? Yeah, I, I went with John's answer. Uh, leopard magic all day. Okay. All right. Question number three. I heard this discussion. I think on a podcast, a couple, I might have been on the goddamn podcast that I think about it a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to ask you guys, what team has the best mascot? Wow. Oh, I'm from Philly, so I have to say uh, uh, Flyers, Gritty. Gritty? That's the one with the serial killer, right? He's he he's he's the meth 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 addict. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he looks like that. <laughs> that mascot doesn't represent Philadelphia. I don't know what. That it's is. perfect. I'm t- it's absolutely like perfect for Philly. Lunatic. Yeah. The, the... Although I mean, listen, I'm I live from Phil. Look, I got the Eagles hat on. I'm right outside of Philadelphia too. I'm gonna go uh, Philly fanatic for the simple fact that he is uh he's a savage when he's out there. He's messing with the other players. He was attacked by Tommy Lasorda. I mean, mm-hmm. the stuff that he does, he's on the, uh, he's up on top of the dugout. You know, he's, he's out in the stands with the people. He, he's an amazing mascot. So I, I think I'm going with the Philly fanatic. Okay. He's my favorite, but if you want to go psycho killer, someone's going to like toss a gritty, time yeah. bomb at someone's yeah. Gritty. <laughs> I get it. See, I'm bringing the thought broken discussions here today. Oh yeah, and I'm kind of Google out. I'm, I'm like, because I'm just thinking, like, man, I don't pay attention to fucking mascots enough. I uh, do. They are delightful. <laughs> they are really delightful because they just be doing stupid stuff. Actually, the only part of sports I get a kick out of. I'm not a big sports person. So outside of Philly, I mean, I don't know any others except for the Pats because I met him one time up here. Okay. I, I like to get mascot though. I don't like when they when they're lazy with the mascots. The mascots and the team, like uh, names, I'm, I don't like. Like you know, you gotta be, you gotta come with a good one. Like what Washington is, what Washington, Washington was the, um, what are the Washington football teams called now? They well, had a the terrible name one point. They're the which one? They're the Commanders now. Yeah, they're the Commanders now, but they were like Washington's football team at one point. Like what is this? Did they even have a mascot when they were the the? The, the team let's formerly just say the Redskins. Let's yeah, say that. Oh no, 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 no! I, I know they had one then, but when they was transitioning between the between the commanders, did they even have a mascot for that part? It should have no. been like a sign. <laughs> yeah, will be his yeah. Or something. It'd be like a four or four internet symbol. You know, page not found. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
Well, I'm a homer, so I'm going with you know my uh, the Lions mascot, Rory the the Lion. Uh, I, I just like because he's really active in and uh, in in the stadium and stuff. It's kind of cool. And I met him before too, or something. So you know, I'm I'm stick with the safe the safe answer, the the local okay. team. Yeah, you don't want to get <laughs> canceled by the city of Detroit, sir. You gotta you gotta go all Detroit. You know, you gotta go for the Lions. Gotta go for RoboCop. <laughs> the pitch, the, the, the dude, the Robocop, that was an awful statue thing. That was that was terrible. Uh, funny statues though. Uh, Barry Sanders just got a statue here. I saw it was that. Pretty dope. Yeah, that, that was that was, that was well deserved. I saw that. Um, and our friend was like, "Hey, where's Isaiah Thomas' statue?" Now, yeah, now he should get one. I, yeah, I would no, definitely no. push for that. I think he should get one. The only well. thing I, did, I I didn't like about the Barry Sanders statue, it has the dates he played, and when you look at it, you don't pay attention. It kind of looks like this is the year he was born. This is when he died. Oh, so yeah. They probably could have definitely. They should have probably like said, like, hey, this is when he played. This is like, yeah, 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 yeah. I see. I didn't even notice that, but that makes it, yeah. I got to I gotta look back at it now. It, it yeah, threw me sucks. off because when I saw it, I felt like, damn, is Barry Sanders <laughs> dead? Am I tripping? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. This, this is the years he played. My bad. It threw me off completely. Wow. Yeah, I got. I didn't even. Pay, I didn't even pay attention to that. But that, that that's unfortunate because I'm assuming you're not the only one that thinks that. So it's probably other people are like, damn, this just gotta die. This is a, you know, a tribute. And you're like, no, he's still around. Still so, around. He's yeah. still. He's coaching, right? Isn't he coaching right now? No, he's so. doing some stuff. No, he's not any coaching, but he's doing some stuff <clears throat> with the Lions or. But he's not coaching. No. <clears throat> oh, okay. Sanders is coaching. Dion. Dion Sanders. Oh, yeah, that's one thing. I'm, I, I again, I don't follow sports. I just. <laughs> Listen, I'm not into college football, but I am in now. I'm a Colorado, whatever the hell they are, Buffaloes. I'm, oh, a, yeah, fan of, yeah. I'm a fan of that team. I just love what he's doing up there with that team. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, he's he's definitely uh, bringing some energy there, getting people to watch college football that probably hadn't watched. You know, you know, I'm I'm more of a local team, local fan, so I just usually watch the local fans. But I've uh, watched the last two Colorado games and yeah, they just, his son is, is awesome yeah. quarterback. And, you know, he's just like, I mean, even aside from just being, that's his dad, he's still a, a, a standalone, just a really good quarterback. Great. He got quarterback, the rock so. at a Colorado game. The rock when you come to UM games, the motherfucker played here. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, you played here. You come here. Florida got to do better, man, to get their people back there, man. They do. <laughs> Alex, who you got? They're going to have to pass me on this one. I've been sitting here thinking, wait, favorite mascot. Well, one, I'm not a sports person, but I've been in Seattle. I'm not in Seattle now, but for the last eight years, so I've had the Seahawks embedded into my brain <laughs> and I can't get past it. Like I'm trying to think beyond the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> and I'm just, it's just like playing like a movie in my head the last couple of years. So would you think there. that their mascot's the twelfth man? Is that their mascot? To be honest that, with you, I think so. I think to, so. To be yeah. honest, yes, because on I, I on so. one of the weird things about living in in Seattle while I was there, on Fridays, pretty much every company, no matter how professional, ever, you are allowed to wear your twelfth man jersey. So the whole entire city is just flooded on Fridays. Oh, um, wow. With jerseys, yeah, and the the space needle raises the flag, and the whole city's just. I, I've actually never encountered fans of any in any place like like the Seattle Seahawks fans. 
it's it's insane. I would have known that. Huh. Yeah, it's insane. It's obsessive and crazy. It's pretty <laughs> insane. Yeah, they're about their they're about their team there. Definitely. All right. Question number four. And this is gonna be a personal question for each one of you guys. What represents your city or place you stay at the most? Like what, whether it's a mascot, whether it's a hat, like when people think of where you stay at, what do they think of? Uh, I go first. I think um, for, for Detroiters, I think a lot of it outside of sports is just the auto industry, you okay. know, with the big three being here. Um, I don't think no specific sport stands out as much when you think of Detroit, maybe the Tigers uh, for baseball, but um, yeah. For, my, I always get asked about car stuff and I always get asked about the Tigers. Most oh, of the time. okay. So, that's surprising. Yeah, so, but I think auto, automotive, auto, the auto industry, that's, I think when you think of Detroit, you, you kind of think that Motor City, you know. Go ahead, Ken. <laughs> you know, you know, I saw the smile just like mine. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to leave Philly for you because I was born and raised in Philly, but I live in Salem, Massachusetts now. Okay. So for me, now. yeah, witches, paranormal, all that crazy stuff, you know, we got, we got the Satanic Church of America headquarters here too. I mean, so if it's spooky and Halloween, that's here. The Satanic Church of America. <laughs> I saw you pictures of that too. Yes, I, you do. Yeah. I just thought about that. You do always. <clears throat> that. That's, that's a wild thing that had to pass by. <laughs> that would like blow my mind. Like, hey, you're walking home from school. Yeah, it's the Satanic Church of America. Yep. Huh. All right, Alex, where are you at now? Uh, I am going to have to say two things. The Buccaneers, I'm in Tampa. Yes. Uh, and, and the, the meth. And, yeah, and the meth. <laughs> and the Cuban sandwich. That is true. Ooh. That is very true. I had a Cuban the other well, day. It's like only like one of the first times I had one. It was absolutely amazing. Oh, really? I think it's my oh. new favorite next to the Philly cheesesteak. I think it's my next favorite sandwich. I'm actually Cuban. So there's a there's a little kind of I don't say battle between where Delvin is and where I am of who's got yes. the better Cuban, Cuban sandwich. sandwich. But as a person who I grew up going between the uh Miami and where I grew up my whole life, I have to go with the best ones I've had are, even though this is the birthplace of the Cuban sandwich, I've enjoyed them more in Miami. Yes, you got to go to Cayocho, go on Ace. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where the Cuban cigars, the Cuban sandwiches, all the good food is at. And the women. And the coffee. They have great coffee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Coffee is great. Otis was down here. I took him to a coffee place. Coffee's good. Cafecito. Yeah, and I'm from Philly, and we're known for uh, throwing snowballs at Santa. So in <laughs> 1960s, uh, apparently a drunken Santa came out uh, for halftime, and it had snowed, and everybody made snowballs, and they pelted the shit out of Santa. So whenever anybody talks about Philadelphia and their sports fans or whatever, they're known for, um, well, two things. The throwing the snowballs at Santa, and then when we win championships, they go out there and they climb all the light poles, so they have to go out and grease the light poles before <laughs> oh, so the people won't climb it. Wow. So they yeah. won't climb. And then people climb them anyhow. Ain't going to no grease stop them from getting up on them poles. So, yeah, it's two I things I can... they had the grease the light You can see them out there with, oh, yeah. with paint, paint rollers just I mean, with grease, and they're just greasing all over. A over. bucket of Crisco and a black latex gloves, and the cops are just going... <laughs> that is so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> 
Ah, that's wow. All right, question number five, all right? Give me, I know this question isn't going to help Alex at all, but we're going there. Uh Uh-oh. Give me your top five athletes. Don't be basketball or football. Just give me top five athletes in any sport. Top five? Top five. All right, well, I'll go first. Uh, I'm going Michael Jordan. Okay. I'm going Walter Payton. Okay. That's a good choice. Uh, yeah. And as far as quarterback, I, I hate to say this, but it is Tom Brady. Okay. Uh, in baseball, God, I, I want to say Barry Bonds, but that was when they were juicing. Who so, cares? <laughs> all right. So then I'll go. I don't never care about them. They should bring drugs back to baseball. Make that shit entertaining again. Right, yeah, but the problem was his head was the size of a his head was the size of a pumpkin, that is and true. then for for boxing, nobody can beat Muhammad Ali. So Ali that's my five. Amazing. Yes, best boxer of all time, bar none. I agree with that. Would Bruce uh, Lee would Bruce Lee count as an athlete? Yes, yeah, sir. absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Bruce Lee. Bruce Leroy counts too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the master? Shout out to Bruce Leroy. Um, I get mine. Uh, Barry Sanders. Obviously, we just talked about him earlier. Yes. Uh, Isaiah Thomas. Yep. Uh, I have to say Tom Brady as well. Um, nobody wants to, but we have nobody to. Yeah. And I, I was a bigger <laughs> fan when he was when he was playing um playing with Michigan. Um, I, I wasn't as a fan of, you know, NFL, but, you know, I'm definitely a bigger fan when he's in Michigan. Um, I'm not too far from I, his house right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Author um, yeah, Ash. Okay, yeah, that's a great one. And I probably uh, Calvin Johnson. Those are my, those are my top ones. Great choices. Who's that kid? I, I really don't know. Other than the super popular mainstream ones, I mean, super popular mainstream. Come that on, throw them out there. Because <clears throat> um, I really don't follow anything, so I mean, it's just should be like the. All right, who's your favorite golfer? Uh, <laughs> just say Tiger Woods. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, Tiger Woods is the only golfer I know. Tiger Woods is the only golfer I know. How are we? Tiger Woods. Um, I'll go with obscure one. What was that guy's name? Uh, I was thinking of the like the strongman competition. There was a guy that there was he was a, a Norse Norseman that like know who used you're to about. dominate. He was dominating the competitions, but then he died like he was twenty eight because he had a uh, a birth defect in his heart and blew it out. Not even doing the competition. I know just who you talk. Oh, wow. I can't remember yeah, name. so he was just doing a normal exercise routine. His heart just went boom. Um. He used to do all the things. He scream, "I'm a Viking!" As he was bending steel rebar around his neck. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, those two, um, Tom Brady, because he's quarterback, is the big name of it, I guess. Yes. Um, I got two more. Gonna, uh, two more. Said Ali. Ali said, "You got one more." Oh, okay. I didn't say Holly. Okay. Um, 
spin the wheel. Oh yeah, I'll do an obscure one that's like from medieval times. Um, Fiore, he's a, a Italian uh, swordsman. He wrote lots of manuscripts when doing sword fighting. Oh, that's pretty cool. I like so. Fiore. His famous one of his big quotes was: "The first person to realize a sword fight isn't a sword fight wins." Basically, saying even though you're in a sword fight, you still have hands and elbows and knees and stuff to use as well I've as heard the sword. That quote before. Right. Because I've told it to you before, probably. Probably. That's probably where I probably heard a few. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, I've thought enough for you. Give me your five. I'm not going to be able to name you five, but I will tell you, you someone. five people. <laughs> I can help you. Serena Williams. I, I, I was just going to say, that's, that's actually one. exactly what I was just going to say. I know that's what you were going to say. Yeah, because I like, what I like, I like athletes' stories. I like when they like, you know, when they're so dedicated and they have integrity and you, those are the things I like about about athletes. I can't name off. So you don't stats. like athletes, then, essentially. Well, I, I can't. I, have integrity. I can't name off stats and and stuff like that. But I do to. like. I like what I see when I see her. I just like she to me is like Wonder Woman. She's so athletic and she's so. She yeah, she's a she's amazing. And when you know their stories, and which is why I like Bruce Lee, which is why I also agree with Muhammad Ali. That's a great one. Uh, That's two. I like I like people who ripple past the persona of the athlete, and you know they have opinions. Become bigger them. than the name itself. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I I, I do like that, but um, yeah, past that, I'm not. It's not really. It's not really my world. I'm in the arts side of things, so that's not really my world. No Leah uh, Thomas, no. No, it's it's like I'll know, I'll know, I'll know athletes. I know like the pop culture stuff, but mm. to name like a dedicated, like, oh, they're my favorite, it's Shaq. it's not really Shaq is the go to. Just say Shaq. Oh, Shaq. I forgot. I, Shaq. I did meet I did meet Michael Jordan once. Uh oh wow. Oh that's yeah. That's yeah, why you should have named immediately. Michael Jordan. <laughs> Yeah, I did meet him. Uh, I delivered something to his. Uh, I, I was a concierge for a little while, and he was at the top floor. And I was asked to deliver uh, some shirts uh, to his room. And I, you know, I was up in the elevator holding the shirts up, and his shirt, even our necklines, even went down almost to my knees. And I'm, right. I'm yeah, and I'm, I'm five eleven. All right, so we got to know what was the tip. There was, he didn't give me one. Yeah, no, he didn't give me right. a tip. That no sounds tip. about right. Oh my <laughs> god! No that sounds the only, the only, the only person during those times. Uh, this was, I mean, this is a hundred years ago, uh, and we're talking like twenty plus years ago. No, he was the. I think probably the only person I ever did something like that for that didn't tip me. That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah. He was yeah. supposed to be a big tipper, from what I remember. No, I was still... only I was about twenty two at the time as okay. well. I had just started, like you know, that type of work. And... Nope, no tip. Okay, Open well. the door. I said, "Mr. Jordan." I handed him the shirts. He closed the door. <laughs> Were they Hanes shirts? Damn cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That does sound. That does sound like an accurate Jordan story. Like, yeah. just don't okay. tip. Just walk out. Yeah. Like, I'm Michael Jordan. Fuck it. <laughs> Your tip is meeting me. <laughs> One of his, his tip could have probably paid my rent at the time. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I think about it. Yeah, most likely. Wow. 
All right. Well, five people with five questions. Uh, good night, everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> like it's been You're real, not getting folks. off that easy, John. Okay. <laughs> All right. So first and foremost, everybody's heard the gun control episode. One of us actually lived the gun control episode because it was there. So what did you guys think of the episode and the conversation? There was, there was a lot of conversation. It was one of the things I wanted to capture was different people's opinions and thoughts without me kind of filtering it with my thoughts and opinions. Because anytime I have a conversation like that, like, you know, originally, which is funny, Otis was on the first actual conversation we had about gun control like a few years ago that blew up with um, the Bearded Idiots podcast. Otis was on the original one. And one of the things that I appreciate about those conversations, which I appreciate about this one as well, is that people got to speak their mind. You didn't necessarily have to be an expert on guns. Honestly, honestly, you didn't even know shit. Only thing you had to know, have an opinion on what's going on and what's your thoughts. And that's kind of what the way I wanted it to be. So people could make their own opinions, make their own assessments, and kind of like kind of figure it out on their own, like whether you are for gun control, against gun control, or you're somewhere in the middle, or what what did you take from the conversation? But the whole thing, anytime I do things like this, I want people to learn something from it. So with that being said, did you guys learn something from these conversations? And listen, don't listen because I was part of it. If you have a problem with me, please let it go because I have I have no problem defending what I said. Or the only problem I have is remembering what I said. So don't let the fact that I'm here make you not say what you want to say about me. So yes, go ahead. I, I appreciate John being here because John's a good sport about all this type of stuff. He's genuinely speaking a good sport about things. He can talk and he can have an intelligent conversation about. These I don't know about that, but well, a conversation. About these things. A conversation. <laughs> Well, no, go go for it. I think this is, uh, you know, I'm. We're not just friends. I'm also like a fan of the podcast, and this is one of my favorite chunks of the podcast I've ever heard. I tell you, you're one of the only podcasts that I am actually like talk back to it while I'm listening to it. Yeah, (laughs) like answer and stuff. And yeah, of course, I I definitely always take something from from these type of podcasts and it's such a complicated issue that I'm, I'm, I'm usually pretty straightforward. I'm very blunt. Anyone who knows me knows you can ask, I have a, I have a motto. If you're going to ask me my opinion, be prepared to hear my answer. And I have to say the, the further we get into these discussions, the more kind of confusion it sets for me a bit. Uh, It's, it's just something that is, we're so deep into this like abyss of these issues that it's, it's, I, I, it's hard to land on, it's hard to cement my opinion on where I fully stand when it comes to this. Yeah, I get um, that. You know, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. It is. I agree. It's, it's a lot to take in and it's a lot of varying factors that kind of, can make you sway your opinion one way or another. Like we had, um, it was said on Twitter, opening on Twitter, so I could kind of discuss it a little bit here. One of our guests who I guess was kind of leaning more anti-gun had a situation where they needed to use a gun to protect their family in their house. So it's kind of, so when you look at it like that, it kind of changes perspective on things like, damn, you know, 
you cannot want to see fucked up things happen to people, but at the same time, you can also want to protect yourself. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of yeah. lie with these type of conversations. There's so so many different nuances that kind of affect your opinion on what you see and what you think of things. And it's kind of yep, you have to always take those things into consideration when you kind of having these type of conversations. There's no. It's kind of cliche to say, but it's almost no right or wrong answer when it comes to stuff like this. I almost, I almost said it's not a black and white issue, but then I was like, wait. So sometimes <laughs> it's, it's it is. Also, <laughs> it's also sometimes a black and white issue. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's just a very complicated thing to discuss. You know, I don't think this is going to be, or this is just in in general not an easy conversation. I agree. To have um, there are more there are more guns in the country than there are people and cars put together. It's the craziest thing. It's a, such a crazy statistic, you know. You know, uh, I'll, uh, one of the reasons why I brought Ken on is because Ken did a passionate episode of his podcast about gun control after the um, which which was it, Ken? What happened? Uh, the Uvalde shooting. They found the uh, security officer there. Uh, they acquitted him of all charges, saying he I wasn't know. culpable for. Um, not doing his job because they said they said he wasn't obligated to go save the kids, so they said no charges were brought against him, no no anything like that, which pissed me. I can curse, right? Because I'm, I'm a, okay. Which pissed me the fuck off. Okay, <laughs> um, I was heated when I did that. I, it was the same day. I I wanted to do it before, and I cooled down, and then that came out. And I was like, I'm doing it. I went to the bedroom where my setup is, and just connected everything up and I just went off. I didn't even edit the podcast except for to take out my pauses that I do when I'm trying to shift gears in my head. I think these ums I do, I was like, delete the um, delete the um. Uh, But I was just, this guy was hired to do the job of protecting these kids and he didn't do it. You could say the same thing about the Parkland shooting too. Yes, there was also yeah, yeah. a police officer there that, mm-hmm. and uh, he he waited for backup. The Uvalde thing right. was was uh, egregious for the simple fact the amount of police that were there that wouldn't go in after this one person that just makes you, you, you go insane. And then the parents, unarmed parents, wanted to run in, and the police were arresting the parents. Yeah, they threatened a one lady with um. Uh, she was had a court case going or something like that uh, for child uh, keeping her children or something. I can't remember the exact specifics of it, but they said, hey, if you say what happened here, we're going to make trouble for you in your court case. Um, this is the Evaldi one. And um, she was like, screw it. I need the people to know, you know. And for me, if any of my kids or my stepkids were in, there'd be a Bjorn-shaped hole through the gate and the wall because I would be straight through. I don't care. The cops are going to have to shoot me to stop me from going in because I'm going to save my kids and save any other kids I can get a hold of, you know, because if they're not going to do their job, someone has to, you know. The Yovaldi thing basically reset the way that police handle uh, school shootings or any kind of open uh, or any kind of uh, active shooter because uh, I forget the next school shooting that they had uh, the police just ran in. They just ran in and they basically dispatched the person. And I think that was I the one in Memphis, one. Memphis, Tennessee. They just mm-hmm. said, forget it, we're going in. And they just ran in and dispatched the person. Now, 
not only did they dispatch the person, but there literally was video of them dispatching the person on Twitter within hours. Like, right. Damn, this yeah, because like, it was like on a second floor or something, a library or something like yes, that. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. this clearly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So well, they had mean, a lot of changes to a lot of different places because here in Salem, we had a, in Massachusetts actually, we had a series of hoaxes go about, you know, swattings in the schools, mm-hmm. and one of them was the high school where my uh, stepson, my stepdaughter went to, and my wife was waiting there for to pick them up after school, and she said she didn't know anything. All these cops just came surrounded the building and just went in. Yeah. Now, the only problem is they said they made like announcements saying there's you know a st- uh, shelter in place and all that so they have to work on that because you know the, if it's a kid that comes in doing this that's familiar with it which is you know what they say it's like a lot of the people that do these shootings are people familiar with the school already so the kids are going to know what shelter in place means and then know where everybody's hiding and go after them that way but they said that was the confusing thing we're being told to shelter in place and didn't know what was going on and then you know, they see the cops coming through nobody told anybody if it was active or inactive or hoax or until they gave the all clear, you know, um, sorry, I'm stumbling on my words here. <laughs> no, you're doing great. But um, yeah, I like it. Like, like Dylan said, I did that thing. I was super heated. I, I it was probably one of the longest episodes I did. And um, I go back and listen to it every once in a while, just because it's, I just yeah yeah it's Very just uh it's real it's raw it's a it's the motive because you're, you're experiencing it like real time what your thoughts were and i think um that's the hard thing about doing these conversations when it comes to gun control is like um a lot of times like even when i started recording these things it was because something happened <laughs> at the time something mm-hmm. happened i was like god damn it this keeps happening and i, and I, I want to discuss it i want to vent about it and I didn't want to just vent by myself. I wanted other people to express their feelings. And the crazy thing about it, like I, like I said at the beginning of this, me doing that last year got me like depressed. I'm like, God damn, this is not going to stop. This is like, it's not going to stop. And I think after we recorded those episodes, it happened again. <laughs> and then, and then um, when I finally decided to put these episodes out originally, it happened again. And I was like, God damn! It's like it's it's you. I literally can do a gun control episode every year, and at any point in time, and it will always be current. And that's crazy to say. Almost, it's almost a daily thing in our in our country. Where where I think, for me, part of the problem is is that we've become so kind of desensitized to it. I mean, I uh, I took today to kind of clean out my house and stuff, and I you know, I like mopped up, I mopped the floors. And I, when I sat on the couch for a few minutes while the, the floor was drying and I, I'm not a, I'm not big, not a big social media person, but I actually marked it down because we had talked about tonight and my notepad three, I sat down at 3.15 and by 3.22, just scrolling up on TikTok, I had seen four videos of, regarding gun violence. It was there was either an image or it was either news about a shooting or an image of someone with a gun. I saw four between 315 and 322. That's in between like recipes and, you know, uh, someone doing a tarot card reading and just random stuff that you're scrolling, the stuff that you see. And that was just within a few minutes. And I think uh, I don't know about uh, the other people on the panel. I'm actually a, an educator. I spend my days in classrooms with 
with kids, young young people. I develop uh, arts programs for underserved communities and arts camps and, and, and things like that. And I last year was the first one out of COVID time uh, that I put together and and it was a struggle. It was it was a big time struggle because that was on my mind daily as a person who's instinctually going to protect. I had probably forty kids with me at from you know eight a.m. to three p.m. and instinctually, I think one of the shows I one of the shows we talked about putting guns in the hands of teachers. Um, my instinct would be to protect the kids first and foremost that's uh that's why you do it that's (laughs) yeah i mean it's an it's an instinctual thing where their safety is paramount above everything i would put myself in harm's way before i would let someone uh, you know attack the the kids i'm teaching uh but it's good it's instinctual i mean you know teachers are of a certain not every teacher but to be to be a teacher, the the mental, <laughs> the mental taxation to spend your entire day with a bunch of children is in its own. Like you know, you see teachers. You know, teachers right now are the majority of teachers are not quitting specifically because of pay issues. It's because of violence in schools. Most teachers that start their careers are only lasting approximately about two to three years in the industry as it is i'm 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 pretty zen i'm pretty laid back i'm you know i uh i'm i'm not a puffed out chest kind of guy uh i'm very comfortable with with who i am as a person but i'm also i'm i'm 5'11 but i only weigh about 155 pounds and there are middle school kids who are bigger than me sometimes there are freshman kids that are 2 plus i've seen and can definitely take me down uh, you know, and so what, what do I do if some 220 person comes in w- with a gun and I have to, you know, they're going to be able to take me down. I just, my, my, my tactic would be to delay as much as possible, uh, them from getting to the kids. Uh, but putting a gun in my hands isn't, isn't going to do anything for anybody. I'm not, I'm not someone who, I don't own a gun. Uh, I've never, I've held a gun. I held a gun once. Well, but, Alex, I, I got to be honest with you, Alex, as yeah. a person, if I was running a school district, you'd be the last person I would put a, a gun in the hands of. You're not a person that I would think that would, would do that. But sometimes yeah. you have teachers in there uh, that are hunters that are, you know, have experience with guns and, and would not have a problem doing something like that. It's, it's not what we say we arm all teachers. It's like we find teachers that want to be trained in case something like this that will run to, to the trouble. But Otis, I've been watching you sit here the whole time and we haven't had heard a word out of you. Where do you fall in this situation? Oh, uh, man, I'm just listening, taking it in. One, you know, I, 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 I think teachers have the, some of the, the hardest jobs, you know, uh, out Uh-oh. there, yeah. you know, yeah. outside of law enforcement and firemen and, you know, EMS. And I think give, given the option of teachers carrying, they don't, they don't get enough uh, pay for what they do now to, to add a, a, another level of protecting the kids, you know, and having to teach them. It just seems like it's just a, 
it's an unfair challenge to a teacher. Okay. So then I'll can ask I, can you I this. Ask first, can I ask first? Sure. Am, I the, am I the only teacher on the panel? Yes. Uh, probably, yeah. I just wanted to. Just hey, curious. listen, to be honest with you, if I see what you teachers go, most teachers would use the guns on themselves. But <laughs> I'm just, you know, the thing is that everybody, okay, everybody doesn't want a gun until somebody's in the place shooting and then everybody wants a gun. I mean, you know, that the time to figure out that, you know what, I made a mistake and I don't want anything here in here to protect myself. Now, I, I understand that you're saying about the pay, but you know where you don't see a lot of shootings? You don't see a lot of shootings in courthouses. You don't see a lot of shooting in government buildings and stuff like that because they're all protected with um, police. And I mean, if you could take and put a police officer in there, or they also have things that you slide over the doors, you put bulletproof glass in the doorways and stuff like that, then you can almost make it where you can lock yourself in and shelter in place where you don't have to worry about something. But as someone that, you know, sent kids to school, I want some way of having an immediate response to a reaction. By the time the cops get there, if the person is really intent on having a mass casualty, it, it, you have at least 15 to 20 people that are absolutely, uh, you know, that are basically dispatched before even the police can get there. You know, one of the conversations me and John had, I don't think all the opposite, if I remember correctly, was about how when I was growing up, we had police officers on our campus. Like in my junior high school, they were like always there. We had a police officer that was would come around in the morning, would walk around. Would, they weren't necessarily truancy officers. They were just there. They were always on campus. So it was never a thing where you have to worry. There was people who were from the area. Like there were black officers from the neighborhood who, who would come there, who would sit in their car and drink coffee or they'd go around the school. And when a fight or something happened in the school, Normally, you had the school security come in there and break it up. And then a lot of times, you'd also have the police officer come in there and if they have to take a kid to jail or some stuff like that. But it was always a police presence somewhere around the school. So when it came to, like, school shootings, we never, my whole years of school, we only had one school shooting. And that was because what happened was, I remember this, I was in 10th grade. We went, we, went to, we went out to lunch around this time. Like every like 11, 20 or something like that, we went out to lunch. We'd go anywhere we want to for an hour. And what happened was a girl skipped school. She went to lunch and hung out with her boyfriend. And while everybody was in class, she was on a bus stop with her boyfriend. And somebody did a drive-by shooting trying to kill the boyfriend and killed her. And that, no, that's... And it's it, not a school shooting. It's just a... It counted in the school because it happened off campus, but it was like in front right. of the school. But like I said, we we never had anything. We never had it was school like shooting inside school was the furthest thing from our mind because we always knew on the top of our head like there's always a police officer around the area. Even then, like even when the drive by happened, there were police like in the area to go chase after the people and catch them. And well, I don't know I, if that's yeah. not a thing anymore. <laughs> but well, I never heard of a school shooting until Columbine. There was yeah. no such thing as school shootings before Columbine. Yeah, Trenchcoat Mafia or something like that. Yeah, called? and once yeah. Columbine started, that's when all the, the school shootings basically started. Uh, I mean, uh, to me, I think one of the great things about this country and one of the th things about the Second Amendment is that you have the right to defend yourself, to use or not defend yourself, you know, if you don't want to use a gun or you know whatever but to be able to have something inside your house to protect you from anybody any intruders 
And, you know, you can make all the laws you want about guns and gun control. New York, Chicago, Baltimore have some of the strictest gun laws in, in the country. And there's more shootings there than anywhere else. So, you know, the, the criminals don't care about your laws. They're going to do what they're going to do. What do uh, what I'm going to call you know, the basic population or the people that are being preyed upon? What are they going to do to protect themselves? I'll tell you one thing about a school. You know, if you started tomorrow where you had uh, two police officers trained and, and, and everybody knew that there was officers in there with a gun to protect the students, you wouldn't see, you wouldn't see uh, school shootings like this because they're cowards. They go into a soft target where the, nobody's armed and uh, where they can do the most damage. They do the same thing in malls and in shopping centers and all where people are not armed and and they do it well i mean they have done it in texas but usually you don't see it you, know, you see it in, in basic areas where there isn't uh you know where there is strict uh laws against car open carry or concealed carry i don't know i think i mean as far as it dropping off drastically quickly i don't know if that would happen very quickly i think there's still be a lot of stuff happening until one First guy walked in and he got shot dead coming in the doorway. And then the, what would, if the mainstream media showed that, uh, then that would stop it because these guys would not want to go in and try to, and basically get, you know, not even get a shot off before they get through the door. But didn't that kind of happen with the Tennessee thing where they got the guy, was it Tennessee you said with the guy yeah, in the library? Tennessee. Oh, yeah. But like they, that, they got there quick and got them or not, not as quick if, if somebody was in there already armed there is a school in uh, New Mexico where uh, all the teacher and the principal, there's like, I don't know how many teachers, they go through a training course and they're all armed and they go to the students and they say, well, do you mind, do you have a problem with them carrying? They say, absolutely not. And everybody knows that that school, that, you know, if they come into that school uh, as a school shooter, they know that they are going to be met with deadly force and they don't know where it's coming from. And I, I bet you that's the safest school in the country. Let me ask a question, John, because not to push back, but I'm curious about this. Do you, how much do you know about the school? Because I want to ask you a question about the school because I'm not sure. Is it a junior high school? Is it elementary school or high school? That's what I'm trying it's to It's a high out. school. Interesting. I, I, was one, I was wondering that for a reason because I feel like it will work with, a, with an elementary school. But when it comes to junior high school and high school, that's where I get a little leery because I know how some teachers are a little unstable, and I know how junior high school and high school kids get. And I, the one thing that worries me, I don't want no teacher pulling out a gun on a student just because they pissed off because <laughs> of the shit that they go through. That's the thing that, that worries me. <laughs> Well, I don't let's know. Not, let's let's not discredit the elementary school kids. Because <laughs> 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 I, 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 I teach all ages, but let's not discredit the little kids either. Because they'll drive you a, up a wall. I'm going to tell you something about middle school and uh, and high school students. If you know Mr. Bailey's packing heat, you giving him any shit in history class? I don't think so. Oh, some some kids are assholes. They definitely will. I know. <laughs> there are some asshole kids out there. Trust me, I, I mean, but you know, we we you know we've had however many countless uh, school shootings, and you know the idea of having armed security or something in the school is definitely a great idea. But 
it's, it's no, it's never no traction. It's always talked about, you know, I, I want, you know, I, I push back on teachers, but if a teacher felt like they wanted the extra responsibility of being armed, you know, so be it. Um, but you know, I grew up with, you know, security. I had a, in my high school, I had a police station across the street and it, it was one gun incident. A girl had a gun in a locker and it went off and it fell. Other than that, you know, there was no real instance, but the presence of security, the presence of, you know, guards, you know, I think help. And so if that was the thing, I, I guess my thoughts and questions is why isn't it happening? You know, why, why, how many more, you know, kids are going to, you know, die because they decide they don't want to put security in schools. If that's the, if that can be the resolve or, it, you know, at least start the, the process of being a resolution. Why, why isn't that happening? Why, why aren't more people talking about that or pushing for that, you know, making laws for that? Why? Now that why is a very valid question. I'll give you law, our lawmakers are going in circles. Our, well, our lawmakers are going in circles. We don't even trust our own lawmakers, much less expect them to mm -hmm. solve these issues. We're out here like, like children of divorced parents who are like back and forth of like, who, who's in charge here? Am I on my own? You know, it just hasn't it just hasn't gotten, gotten bad enough right now. I mean, for and, and as bad as it is right now, I understand. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I saw that look. That it's not bad state, enough. Right. I was like, "What's your version <laughs> of bad?" Because uh, I mean, okay. it's, it's pretty fucking I, I, bad. I don't know. For me, it's already bad enough. I mean, they they took two planes and flew them into towers, and now everybody's got to take their shoes off and basically. I was get standing. First. I witnessed that. I was on right. the ground. I saw that happen. Oh, what? I was at 9-11 conversation. I was standing there. I watched the whole thing happen. And I'll tell you something that as I was also 22, same year as when Michael Jordan didn't hit me. And I remember something changed in my youthfulness, like in my youth being 22 and seeing that because I knew I was, well, one, I thought I was going to die and that will do something to you. But it applies now when I'm spend my days with these young people, you know, from elementary school kids to high school kids that they, this is so in violence is now so embedded in the bones of our country that you can see this is just a part of, I, I want to teach kids art. I don't want to, I don't want to, and it, it'll come the time where I'll probably have to, but I don't want to be doing active shooter drills. And I have nieces and nephews that that is now a regular part of their education that they are trained monthly on doing active shooter drills. And the now this is just in the undeveloped minds of young people that are just seeing this on a regular basis. And we are not, I, I, I feel like we don't go deep enough into these conversations as to like what's in the root of this yes we can put guns in the hands of teachers yes we can have trainings yes we can have a security guard or a, a cop in a cop in every school but what happens if that cop rounds the corner you know having a soda for, on a break and gets shot then what happens to the school you know okay so i'm, I'm going to push back because usually what you have to have is you have to have a double entry so yeah, when someone's yeah. coming through, they have to get, you know, buzzed through, or usually what happens is they try to shoot their way through and then there's a, uh, you know, whatever they come across the loudspeaker and all there's, again, there, there's drills for people to go to these 
to these situations and do this. And you're right. We shouldn't have to do this anymore. When I was going to school, nobody even thought to bring a gun. Most of us had, when I went to school, most of us had shotguns in the back of our truck because we usually went hunting after school or we were duck hunting before school. So we had shotguns and shells in the back of our trucks and a lot. And, and there was fights and fist fights in school. And not one of us ever thought, well, I'm going to go get a gun and kill this kid. None right. of us did that back then. So there is a, a thing. There is a, a situation in the culture and to be honest with you, we would never even uh, we would never even think of something like that. So now I'm going to say something, and again, it's off the gun subject. But you know what else we didn't have when I was in high school and stuff? We didn't have Ritalin, and we didn't have uh, medic kids on medication for ADHD and stuff like that. I went to school with real nuns that used to beat the shit out of you when you got out of line. And, you know, we used to, and in other words, if you had a fight in school or something, the gym teacher would bring you in and you put boxing gloves in boxing gloves on and after school you would go in there and you'd mix it up and then you know it was a fight it was afterwards and you shook hands and you went on your way that's how we we did it back then but now there's not that anymore and a, and a lot of these kids as soon as they act up they they put them on riddling or whatever they put them on and the next thing you know you've got all these kids all drugged up and i don't know if it's that or not but nobody's looking at it i'm, I'm glad that it went to riddling and not what I thought John was going to say. I thought John was going to say, no else we didn't have back in the day? Black people. <laughs> but, you know, this is this is the thing, too, what John, what John just said. You know, what, what, John, oh, what, what John said is it's an area. You grew up in a place where you had guns in your pickup and you, you hunted and stuff. I'm an inner city kid. And then right. we ended up in the suburb. That was not a thing. You know, I didn't grow up around deer. I grew up around squirrels and pigeons. And so that having guns around just wasn't, wasn't a thing. And I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I don't, I think we live in a very, it's either or culture and it's not it to me, it's all of these things. It's a culmination of all of these things, not, not either or. Um, but yeah, it's also like, you know, if we're going to go there, it's also a race, you know, this is also a lot to do with race. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just look at the panel, look at the panel alone. I'm in the middle on my screen. I'm in the middle. There's two black guys, two white guys, and I'm the Hispanic gay guy in the middle. You're the, you're the, uh, <laughs> you're Alice, you're Alice from the, uh, you know, very much. I mean, each one of, you know, our experiences are all so different. Yeah. Our, our backgrounds are all so different and so varied. And, you know, it's, it's what's, there is no clear answer. That's the thing. There's no structure. There's no manual. There's no, there's nothing telling us this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. It's just hearsay and opinion. I mean, I, I, I think is, you know, we, I think we, as a, the general collective of people, we, we we bitch and we cry about the things that are happening, but there is no resolution. There is no, you know, there's no one, there's the, the powers that be don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. Kids gonna keep fucking yeah. dying and they don't care. And you know, we can we can have less guns, we can have more guns, but there is no movement on saying how do we protect kids in schools? Cause a whole fucking school, you know, what was it, Sandy Hook or whatever the fuck. Yeah. All of these schools and, and 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 no one, the kids are not valued. And it's no, I mean, we can have these conversations, but in the end, our 
are our conversations going to move someone in power to to make some decisions to try to protect kids and and and, and schools and it, i just don't see it it just keeps fucking happening and it's like there what, what, what we could if we say okay let's put two armed guards in all the schools like what's stopping that from happening as soon as these shootings start happening at these politicians private schools you'll see shit get done real fucking quick right now it's all but no i mean like the super private where they have to wear like they're like feeder schools to harvard and all that i don't mean like even like a private catholic school or you know inner city public schools and stuff like that i mean like you know they pay like you know more than i make in a year you don't think they already have armed security in those places? They probably oh no, no, no. I, I thought you meant shootings. I meant like, but you don't hear about it. But I, I don't. But the security. Yeah, that's why there, you don't, don't hear know. about it because they already have they have armed guards stuff like that. Maybe we could take this to a different angle because I've been thinking about this and 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 working with this. I, I think what it, it seems to be is it's a culture situation, and I don't want to make this about race because I, I just want to make it about culture. And I think that it's like you can't touch me, and I can't, you know, I. Uh, I that, you know, so basically, I think we've got to get back to teaching kids manners. I think we got to get back to teaching kids how to handle conflict. I mean, they watch movies and and videos and, you know, and, and they have video games and stuff like that. And once you get shot, you just hit the reset button and you go back to doing whatever you're doing again. And I don't think that that is a, a situation like I'm not going to blame that. But what I'm saying is that we don't have. A, a situation where we really do teach kids manners anymore. And I, I think it, it's respond. you know, I, I believe, and if, if I'm going to move this back to race, I believe each race has a, a an obligation to teach uh, their race, basically to how to handle a, a polite society. You know who you don't see shooting up a bunch of schools and stuff? Asians. Why? Because they value education, they value hard work, they value they value making money, they value family, they value um, religion. You don't see them happening. You see, but John, you also don't see black kids or Hispanic kids. That is fair. Do, shooting do up schools. No. No. Not, no. Not, not, not really. So it's us whites. Us whites are the problem. <laughs> yes. Okay. Then, that then, years, John. then so then let's <laughs> let's get us whites out there and start figuring out what the hell we got to do uh, to to change the culture and to make a school shooting, you know, basically shame. You know, ba- I don't want to use the word shame. You know, basically identify the, uh, what's going on. I just remember there was just one kid. I mean, they had taken his guns away, and 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 then he goes back, gets his guns back, and then next thing you know, he he goes in, and I don't think he shot up a school, but he shot up a a supermarket or something like that. He just went into a supermarket and started shooting. I mean, I mean, a question could be asked: Why was his stuff so accessible when they were taken away? Why were they taken away yeah. the first time? Why exactly. were they so accessible? I mean, I I I get you know, I I can understand the perspective of. God damn white we're not people. we're not addressing you know why did they why did he have so many accessible guns it's like well he just need to be teach to be a better person why was it so accessible in the first place because he could could he could because he could carry whoever he whoever he is or whatever right well every one of us know four or five people that we would not allow to have a gun it's like you know that if that person had a gun that he's dangerous or she is dangerous with that weapon. Uh, we know who they are. You can identify them, but everybody wants to be. You, you, 
I guess they don't want to, I don't want to, I keep going to the word shame, but they don't want to be the person that says, Hey, that guy there, you should not have a gun. He's nuts. And I'm not saying that because I don't like the guy. I'm just saying I watch what he does. And that's not a guy that you go around and, and allow to be armed. Isn't that what the background checks are supposed to do, though? Like you're supposed to do? Look at people and say, hey, this person's not qualified for X, Y, Z reason. That's what's supposed to happen. Maybe they have to make this. But again, it's like locks keep the honest people out. Those are only going to keep honest people from getting guns. Exactly. Exactly. And then you also run into the other thing, technology. People are doing 3D printed ghost guns, too. So How many many of them are being used? Not really. We're talking about... No, no, but there's there's going to be... I'm not a conspiracy theorist type of thing, but I'm just saying if you you do somehow lock down the one, there's going to be other things popping up, too. Sure. I mean, back in the day, people used to use zip guns. Yeah. Okay, so has anybody here... That's just a one-shot deal. I'm just... just, Devil's advocate. Right. Has anybody here bought a firearm? Anyone? Um, nope. No, my dad was a cop and he had a few, but I knew not to mess with them. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, yeah. And my father's handgun was under the mattress. It was mm-hmm. between the mattress and the box spring. We all knew what it was. And my father said, don't touch that. And for some reason, we didn't touch it. Yeah. I've used firearms, but I haven't purchased one for myself. Okay. So, I've purchased firearms before. And so, what they do is they give you the application and they say, okay, give us three references. And you give three references. Well, to be honest with you, I don't think this should happen. I think you should, what they should do is say, okay, where do you work? Where do you hang out? And they go over there and they find three people and they say, hey, this guy over here, he's just applied for a gun. What do you think? Then you'll get, because, uh, you know, you're going to give you the guy you work with or your best friend or something like that. You're going to give three people that are going to say, oh, yeah, that's a good guy. It's not really the way it should be. It should be, you know, the people you work with, maybe your family, something like that, where they could, uh, you know, your references are not just people that you give them. That is a you fair know? point. I, yeah. I work at a law firm, okay, I've, I've, quite a few years now in IT. And as I change jobs, I've had to have background checks to make sure that I didn't have like massive amounts of debt because like some of the stuff I'm dealing with is intellectual property. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm not dealing with it directly, I have access to all the hard drives and all the servers. I could download all the stuff like source code for games. instead. Of, and that's for, for a job. I knew like I have a clear background or not, no trouble, nothing like that. But I knew that we interviewed some other people and they had something flag on their record and they didn't hire them for a job as a service desk person, low level in a law firm. If that's what they do for the law firm, why can't they do the same type of level of thing for the, for. I agree with you. You know, for guns. I mean, even if it's like a handgun, a shotgun for hunting, whatever, you know, but it'd be that type of level thing. Like, you know. But then we get into the sticky situation of the Second Amendment where it says, uh, you know, government should not impose any laws to keep people from bearing or carrying arms. And uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a criminal or not. I mean, if you go to the letter of the Constitution, I don't agree with that. I mean, but on the same token, you're not going to take the guns away from the criminals. They're never going to give away from the give away the guns. The only people that are going to give their guns up are the people that you actually want to have guns. See, that's where my my. That's where I fall into okay. that situation. I mean, it's, a six, it's a like, sixty-five um, billion dollar industry a year. Yeah, yeah. it's a sixty-five billion dollar industry. That's right. crazy. You think about it. <laughs> yeah. There's the uh, other extreme that was on one of the other episodes. Delvin did that. The guy I don't remember the guy which one it was, but 
he said, give everybody guns. He wants everybody to have a gun because an armed society is a polite society. And yeah. I'm like, you're crazy because people are going, they're not trained to use it. And so there should be so many collateral damage. Somebody's going to say, oh, you, you cut me off. Blam, blam. Oh, I missed him, but I hit the three people across the street. You know, it's it's like Wild West style type of that's thing. Exactly, you know? That's exactly what is actually happening right now. There, yes. there are kids who ring the wrong doorbells get shot. A girl got shot for pulling into the driveway of someone's house accidentally. She didn't know where I, she was. We had that happen over here. I want to bring I want to ask you guys this question. Based off of this, do you think there has been an uptick in violence in hostility in people ever since after the pandemic? Yes. I was gonna say that earlier. It's like I can't understand. We went through three years almost three years locked up surviving just trying to survive and not catch covid not you know the whole nine yards and then you think we'd come out of it and everybody would be like okay we survived it we're you know let's pull together let's be better let's be nice to everybody it's, it's, exactly like like within a month you saw people, people like barbecues people are, they're still pissed they couldn't go to home depot for three months so you know they're raging <laughs> out here and shit you know people seem a lot more aggressive um, you see like like, if you look at all the airplane videos, people getting mad and flipping on the airplanes. You see people, like you said about the situation where people, like, knock on people's doors to get shot. It's a lot. I don't know if it's because of the social media area where everything's filmed or it's just people are just a lot more on edge these days and also ready weird. to attack. But it's just crazy. It's also what the media feeds you. Like Alex says, he was going through TikTok and he was looking and he says he sees all these gun violence things. Well, if you stop on a gun violence video, they're going to feed you more gun violence videos. If you're, you know, and that's just the way TikTok is. I know because my TikTok's nothing but barbecue and girls with uh, big tits and no bras. So okay. basically, you know, Not it depends on what you're looking at. All right. So, but, you know, the media feeds you uh, what they want to feed you. You would see a situation. If you find a white guy that shoots a bunch of black people, it's national news. If you see black people killing each other, it's a local news story. So when, again, I I go back to where everybody believes that black lives matter, all right? Not the organization that took all the money, spent it on themselves and to give it back to the community, but the actual statement that black lives matter. Well, if black lives matter, then why doesn't it matter when black people are killing black people uh, in in cities and stuff like that? It should matter as much there as anywhere else and when there's a when there's a, a there's a lot of shootings that aren't even um that are local stories they don't even get out to the national news because they don't want to pop they don't want to uh because it doesn't fit a, a, what i would consider a narrative i'll let otis have on this one come on otis, uh, I, give I, it to I, me. I didn't i didn't have really have a, a a thought um i mean i just i just I, I, the black lives matter thing is is was always triggered because it never was to me black lives mattered only yeah that's right and that's how people took it i don't know why non-black people give a hell about blm people just want to they they wanted to just have voices heard when the police are just you know going crazy on black folks and white folks and a lot of other people they just wanted to to, to put awareness that, you know, lives matter as well as much, mm -hmm. not solely. And so I, I, 
I never understood why, you know, people only, I, I, I think a lot of non-black people only bring up black on black crime when we, when we're talking about a white person killing a black person. No one, I don't think a lot of non-black uh, black care about crime in Chicago or care about crime in Detroit or any other inner city, but it's only brought up as a, well, what about when, you know, we're justifiably angry that, you know, uh, 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 a cop kills a black person or a minority or a person or something like that, you know? So I kind of agree. Listen, I'm going to say that I think that one of the things that you can do to change this up is stop resisting arrest and trying to run away. That to me would save a lot of lives. And I'm not just talking about, it does race them. It doesn't make any difference. Who's Once running you, away? What are you talking about? Well, I mean, you see, uh, well, you figure there was the one, I don't have, I can't think of names, but there was this one kid got pulled over because he had fictitious plates and I maybe had a warrant out for his arrest or something. And he started to run and the lady went for a taser and she pulled out her gun and she shot him two times and killed I him. I remember that story. Yeah. that was Right. I think you got the same thing with, um, George Floyd, he was resisting arrest. They had him in a cop car. He actually pushed through the other side while he was handcuffed and came out. Now, I'm not saying that they should have kneeled on his, you know, did what they did. I think they did him a disservice by not getting him um, medical help right away. But, you know, there's other situations where there was this one we did the other day on the on the other podcast I have. There's they bring a guy back, white guy. They bring him back behind the car. They say, what's your name? He says his name. He says, that's not your name. We know that's not your name. He takes off. He runs. It's it's nighttime. He runs across a two-lane highway, goes across a medium strip. He runs over the other way. The cop's chasing him. The cop tases him as he jumps over the rail to try to run across the other two-lane road, tases him. He falls in the fast lane. Here comes a car, doesn't even see him, and runs him over and kills him. I, I think there's – I think we're conflating several different issues here with this situation. Yeah. I think one of the things is that – um. We have to come to the reality that when it comes to black Americans, there is an innate fear of law enforcement. And it's a justified fear because, not of, it's not. It, because of the things that's happened, whether you want to go back into the civil rights movement and cop beating up black people, whether you want to go back to the Rodney King thing, whether you want to even go, you don't even have to go back that far. Whether you go even go to the George Floyd thing. If you're getting, if a lot of the media that you see today is showing cops doing unjust things to black people, even when you say maybe you should comply, even when we do comply, <laughs> it, 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 you're getting attacked. And I think, and I think that's where the problem lies. I, I feel like, um, cops. One, we need to do a better job training cops. I agree with that. That's I a big. That's a big problem. That. Two, right. I feel like there is an inherent. Now I'm going to call call a spade a spade. There's an inherent fear of black people that is very irrational. That I think a lot of cops have, and it's it's weird because I'm you, afraid of black people. What are you why? kidding me? You, you can talk why? to me. I'll why? tell you why. I worked in the elevator business for 25 years, and I I handled a lot of uh city. I worked in the city of Philadelphia and down in Wilmington, Delaware, and there you have a fear. It's a fear. Now I don't fear you, and I'm I'm sure if I was out with Otis, I don't feel fear Otis or something like that. But when you're out in a situation. And you're the only you white guy, 
Right. <laughs> You're the only white guy in an area with a lot of black people. You know that you are you stick out like a sore thumb so, and your head's on well, a swivel. But your what is your fear based but, on? But, historically, listen, it's a bias historically, the, the one white guy has incited more violence towards groups well, of black I'm people. Not, not me. Not really. So I've had two well, situations. <laughs> I had two situations where I was attacked. You know, being out at night yeah. in work in a, in a situation and put your head on a swivel and it also gives you a bias. Now, luckily for me, I, you know, I'm I'm a pretty big guy and I can kind of handle myself And both times. Well, I'm sorry. The one time, the only reason I got away was because I was able to jump into my truck, put it in drive and two guys got in front of me. And the only reason they're still alive was they were fast enough to get away because I hit the gas and off I went. But that there is a there is so that's my bias. Okay? okay. So when I'm sitting in a situation like that, you know, out in the street or something, if I'm in a restaurant or in a, in, you know, somewhere where there's a bunch of people around, it's not that I don't have that issue. But I'm going to tell you the white people, I'm going to be serious with you. I'm going to call a spade a spade. There's a lot of white people that are afraid of black people because they're black. And there's a lot of black people afraid of white people because they're white. Okay. okay. I'm going to go on record right now with this and say, I'm just afraid of groups of teenagers and 20 year olds that are stupid. I don't care their color because they're the ones that are usually young, dumb and full of cum trying to pull, show you, show off things and do oh. crazy things and all that. I don't care if they're white, black, Hispanic, whatever. Okay. Um, but as far as, personal experience the only time i've ever had issues was with, again with other white people it's just uh, the area of philly i lived in though I i'm gonna bring up something that what area philly? brought up but i grew up in port richmond and Alany, which is which was Fishtown, uh, port yeah kensington well, yeah. all those areas they used to beat the shit out of each other if you went if you delvin if you were in philadelphia and you were a port, port richmond and they caught you in Fishtown, they kicked the shit out of you all right that was so it's not it's not just that but i'm just saying that I think one, and again, I grew up in, in basically primary a white area. So, you know, I don't, I never really had a lot of interaction with a lot of black people. I'm sure the people that, that grew up in a, a, you know, in a more diverse area probably doesn't feel the same way I do. I, I'm going to bring up something. I, I'm glad John brought it up. What John brought up and we kind of glazed over is actual trauma. He experienced something that scared him and he has, Pitting up trauma that he never kind of healed from. And I bring this up because, John, I know you may not understand this. A lot of black people have that same trauma when it comes to white people. I hear you. <laughs> you know, and I get, I, I, so when you say that, I understand where you're coming from because it's an, an innate fear that you have from a real situation. But that real right. situation doesn't necessarily apply to all of us. Like, just for example, like, white, black people have experienced terrible situations with white people whether it's cops or whatever, whatever it may be. Yep. But we can't go out there and logically be like, well, fuck all white people because we're the minority in this country. We're going to have to at some point talk to, associate with, and deal with white people. <laughs> I know? agree with that. And 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 listen, uh, there's more and more, na more and more people now, black people are like, fuck all them white people. and And I understand it. And and we're not going to get anywhere in, in that situation. 
um, listen, I'm not, and I'm not, first of all, I'm not comparing what I'm going to, I want to just say this. I'm also afraid of big dogs because I was seven years old. I was attacked by three German shepherds. And to this day, I'm still afraid of big dogs. Now I'm not comparing black people to big dogs, but what I'm saying is (laughs) if you have fear, you know, whatever the time is, the timing is terrible. The two, the two things. I understand that. But what I'm trying to to say is what you're you're scared of black people and dogs. That sounds fucked up. Big dogs. <laughs> Big vicious dogs. Now, the reason I'm saying that is I'm trying to back up what Delvin was says is yeah, trauma. When you have a trauma in your life that that makes you, you know, that you have a fight or I'm also afraid of grizzly bears. All right. I don't want to be around any grizzly bears because I know they're dangerous. Of, John? <laughs> I'm not afraid hey, of Alex. Grizzly bears are cool, man. I've dealt with them. <laughs> But I'm, I'm, I'm the Hispanic light guy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm the safe zone here. The only, person, <laughs> only thing John's not afraid of is gay men. Yeah. The only, I'm not, I don't know about that. Listen, yeah. I'm, well, I'm going to be quite honest. <laughs> the only reason I know that uh, Alex is Hispanic is because he told us. There's no way he looks Hispanic. He's as white. He's whiter than I am. <laughs> but, you know, so I, I think in, in a situation, uh, you know, and I think, and to be honest with you, I think as as we get older, as as uh, the generations, as we get into the future and generations, when I was uh, growing up, my parents, if you there were, you couldn't even date interracial. All right, uh, you know, my kids, it's no big deal. They they don't, you know, they, they they'll date. You know, there's kids that date interracial all the time. It's not even a thing. Um, my grandfather, he couldn't even. He was Polish. And he dated an Italian girl, and my my, my great grandfather was going to disown him. So I mean, as we we get as we get more, I want to say civilized. I think a lot of this stuff will go away as long as we don't allow um, people to to drag us back. And I feel like that is correct. In that the I 90s, I feel like in the late 80s and the 90s, I thought we were doing better with race than we are right now. And I don't know what drug us back into into a until where we classify everything by race. And right. I don't know what we did. You know, I have an answer for that. And I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I'll give you my answer. It's identity politics. Yeah, I agree. I, I didn't want to say that, but you're Once right. Once we started using everything to identify everything as race, group, sexuality, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. people started going back into their own sectors. And yeah. people started kind of minimizing everything and minimizing groups. And that's where we start having the problem. Instead of looking at us all as, as equals, we now look at each person as a as a race, sexuality, or creed, as opposed to just kind of like looking at them as a person, a person who has feelings, a person that we can respect feelings. Because frankly speaking, most of the shit people complain about, they don't really give a fuck about. People are so goddamn in, disingenuous about everything they say. They are worried about so many things that, honestly speaking, they really don't give a fuck about. Because they know it's not true. <laughs> they just, they're just they just doing it because they're like, it's like how people complain about their sports team, their favorite sports teams. Well, I'm part of this team, so I guess I got to ride for this team no matter what stupid shit they say or do. And that's that's the uh-huh. problem with society, honestly. Like, you don't, at some yeah, point, we have to realize we don't have to ride with shit that people do just because it's, it's what they want to do. Sometimes we say no. <laughs> in politics, it's ridiculous. You can see yeah. one side does one side. And I'm just going to use, because this is in the news right now, uh, Lauren Boebert. Well, the white lady from uh, Colorado, she was uh, about a week ago, she was in a, a theater watching the play Beetlejuice and her boyfriend f- was feeling her up in there and she was, they were getting all frisky in there. What they didn't realize is they had um, night vision cameras on there and they focused on her and she got thrown out. So now everybody's on her. 
um, about a month ago, there's a woman that's running for uh, she's in Virginia. She's running for Congress, and her and her husband were on some kind of sex site where the sex site where they were filming themselves having sex, and people would watch it, kind of like a cam girl thing. And now, so they didn't want it to. There, so the Democrat. Democrats were like, well, that's horrible. You shouldn't say anything like that. That's her own personal business and all. So then they see Lauren do this and they're like, well, that's horrible. She says this. And to me, I say, just let your freak flag fly. I take a look at Lauren Boward and I said, man, if I was in a theater with her and she allowed me, I would, I'd be going to second base every time I could. So I understand that kind of situation. But I mean, we are, we're polarized. We're on different teams and we make excuses for our team. And then we try to hold the other team to uh, this, to a standard. And I don't think that's fair either. And I guess you can use it for race, sex, sexuality. Anything. Yeah. Pretty much anything in society today. We have to have our own team. We have to root for our team, no matter Mm. what stupid shit our team does. And sometimes you're like, nah, we cool on that. Like, (laughs) we got to, at some point in time, we got to see bullshit for what it is. Whether you like the person or like the team or not. When you see somebody doing some bullshit, like, oh, that's some bullshit. Call them out on their bullshit. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. Yes. and I, and I think once we start doing that, society will be a better place. Like if you, if you like, I had this conversation with somebody the other day. You want to arrest Hunter Biden? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like if he did something wrong, arrest him. But at the same at the same level, Trump did some shit he wasn't supposed to do. Arrest his ass too. Anybody who's not doing it, following the law, you arrest them to the highest, fullest extent of the law, and be done with it. But don't sit here and try to make excuses for it. And try to cover it up just because it's your fan, it's your group or your fan base. That's all. That's always my thing. Like if if, if a president does something wrong, charge me like you charge a homie from the streets. If I agree with that a, also. If somebody, if if a, I don't give a fuck who it is. If you do a crime and do some shit that you're not supposed to do and you get caught, yeah, I need to go to jail. Because guess what? If it's my black ass doing it, they goddamn sure is gonna take me to jail. And, and and when you when you don't set those standards and put those standards out there and you start bending the rules because you like somebody. That's when fucked up shit starts happening. So, yes. So, and my point to this say, saying that is, if we let shit slide for one president, or one, I'm saying president because that's a perfect example of it. If we let shit slide for one president, what happened when the other president does the exact same shit? Are we going to let it slide then? Or Yo, I say go up there. I say go to Washington and shake that fucking tree until they all fall the fuck out. Yeah, there's and get that, rid of there's them that all. part, too. <laughs> And I'm fully yeah, I'll even okay. go one further and say that if you're the president, you should be held even higher accountable. Yeah, I agree. Yes. And, you know, any of those congressmen, senators, anybody that's supposed to be upholding the laws and making the laws should be held even higher. I mean, no slap on the wrist. They should be like, like, bam, you know, two by four, right? Because you I mean, should I, know better. Yeah. <laughs> the simple thing. You should know better. I mean, still, right now, it's still we a have, double standard, though. It's is. still, we're still I'll, in a double standard, in an area of double standards because walking down the street this this very group of people right now if we walk down the street we're all having a completely different experience and we're definitely held to a different standard by society it's not the same for otis and delvin to walk down the street as it is for john and ken to walk down the street and i'm somewhere in the middle waiting to be attacked for who i am so let's say this let's say this right now let's just say that we were all in the same studio together Okay. All right. We do this podcast and everything we get done. And we say, you know what, guys, I'm hungry. Why don't we go down to get some Cuban, let's get some Cuban sandwiches. Where's that good Cuban sandwich place? Well, all five of us would go down there. We'd sit down, we'd have a meal, we'd laugh, we'd kid, we'd joke around. 
and it didn't matter. It wouldn't matter if I'm white and and uh, Alex is gay, and you know, it don't. It won't, none of that would matter. We would just be in there as human beings, having a Correct. meal together and hanging out. I mean, and Delvin, that- you know, you and I, I have great respect for you. And there's a lot of times when I'm making a joke and I'm going to go for, you know, I'm going to go for a cheap joke. And I'm like, how's Delvin going to feel about this? If he uses this? <laughs> yes. I, I appreciate that you do that, but that's, that's the whole point of these type of conversations. So we can conversate and we can see past everything. We don't have to agree on everything. And I, I would be the first to say, we don't have to agree on everything, but at the end of the day, we have to realize we're all part of the same race. And that's the human race. And we need to, figure out how to coexist with each other and kind of relate and we can crack jokes, we can have fun and we can enjoy ourselves. That's why I like having these conversations because even if we don't agree, even if we feel like some of us say some wild shit, at the end of the day when we get down to it, we start talking we're like, you know what? He's, I don't agree with everything what this person says, but I understand this is a decent dude who who, who is well-intentioned and well-mannered. I don't mean to take over the show here, but I have a, I like <laughs> solutions. All right. So we brought up yes. some things here and I want to talk to Otis or something because about something. So Otis, we were talking about how black people are afraid of the cops. And, and if I asked you, okay, what could we do in a community to make it where we uh, make the, the black population less afraid of the cops? How would you go about doing that? What kind of training would you do or, how would you handle that? Okay. That's a very good question. I don't think I've ever thought about that. Um, but I think having, and I, and I remember seeing this on a TV show or movie, whatever, but having more interaction with, with cops that it's not a police stop. There's not a, a traffic violation. There's a, a community where, you know, a city uh, community, meeting or something where you know you 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 see cops on uh, a different level than them being your superior and pulling you over you know what i'm saying things like that um i think that would could could potentially could start uh a, a good relationship you know because you know i think for any of us whether you know whatever color the most time unless you know police or you know what i'm saying work in a, a situation where you're near them or whatever you know most of their interaction is from a traffic stop or you know some kind of altercation you know so you know i that could possibly be but i you know i don't i don't know i think the trust is just so gone you know i i think it would take a lot of that but i think that could be a definite you know start of just having just one-on-one interactions, conversations that are not involving any kind of, you know, uh, so stop or something like let that. Let me ask a question to John, I guess, on this, on that. Okay. I think it's, well, I can ask this to the room because I think this is an important question to ask. Who do you think the responsibility and the due diligence on to mend these bridges? Do you think it's on? Both, both sides. I think okay. the people and I think the police. What I was, what I would do, if John ran the world, Okay. What I would do is I would have police going into um, schools, high schools uh, at 10th grade, and uh, they would go to classes and they would teach kids how to handle a traffic stop, what to do, how to talk to police. Uh, and then if, you know, because if you're going to be respectful, you know, to the people you're pulling over, you want that same kind of respect back. What not to do, what, you know, because police officers there, they want to get home to their family too. They don't want to get shot or killed or beat up or i mean as many as many videos you can see of where a, a cop shoots somebody 
uh, an unarmed per person, there's also, you could go find that many videos of cops walking up to a car and also getting killed or something like that. So both, so they have to both feel safe in that situation. Same way with any people want, you want to make people at ease in both situations. So that to me, I think that's how I would start it. Same thing in schools. You know, when you were talking about violence in schools, I don't see why, you know, at a young age, you don't start teaching kids how to handle conflict. All right. We don't know how to handle conflict anymore because, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, having a discussion or, you know, duking it out or whatever, the last thing, absolute last thing that anybody should try to do is take somebody else's life or use a gun or something in the situation. I think we started instilling that into younger kids and, and raise them that way. It'll take a generation or two, but I think we can get on the other side of this, in my humble opinion. I, I also think, you know, we, we talked about, you know, having teaching people to, to deal with the police, which is still a crazy concept because, you know, the, the, the result, the, the resolution of, you know, when it comes to, you know, why if, if black people or anyone would just comply, they'd be okay. And those, those police officers aren't punished enough for the shit they do. Like, listen, you don't have to be a police officer. You could be anything else, but if you choose to do that, you know, there's things that come with that. And, you know, I, I, I think a, a lot has to be done on their side to, to, to take that fear away that, is true. that, that we have. Yeah. I, there I, was a time when the cops were all, you know, flatfoots and they walked around the communities, you know, and that's when you had a lot more of the social interaction between, I mean, my dad was a cop in Philly. Okay. He was a mounted cop and he would walk around with the horse. Now, this being said, my dad was also extremely racist, um, but he still did his job. But his racism seemed to steer more like outside of the job. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Um, but when I was on the, the horse, he would go around to the different stores, talk to people, see what's going on, talk to the kids coming out of the schools and doing stuff like that. And he would the horse was a great interaction thing. He would let them come and pet the horse and didn't matter who it was as long as they were respectful you know he was okay years later he got taken off the horse because of politics because that's a very be amount of cops a very prestigious thing in the police force um but he said about traffic stops because this reminded me when you were talking about that he said he would go up and you'd be wary but his thing was if you treat him with respect he treated you with respect if you we walked up to a car and a person was like what did I do, officer? He's okay. Well, this is what I stopped you for. Let me check everything out. If everything checks out, you get a warning. He didn't mind doing that because you had too many people would go, why the F did you pull me over? He goes, okay, first, here's your ticket for this. Now let's see what else you got. You know, but um, rambling there. Sorry. The, oh, um, the flat, the flat foot thing, you know, you get, I know people are saying defund the police, but I think you need to change them, take them out of being, you have your SWAT team, your active, you know, shooters and all that. You have that still team there, but they only come out in situations. You hire more cops to be community service officers where they go around and have like a five block district or a 10 block district where they walk around, talk to people or, or bikes now. And you talk to people and get to know the community. That way you know everybody in the area. And I think that would be a big thing to start showing that there's humanity on both sides of the yeah. equation, you know, cause a lot of times the cops are, I mean, I say the same, but they're trained. I mean, they talk to them and you see some of the psychological things are 
draw draw a picture of the bad guy and they say okay it's dark skinned guy with a knife or a hoodie you know or something like that you know and it's just the way it's disgusting you know but if you start getting them out there and then you have a whole new generation of cops who then teach the rookies and then those rookies become seniors and they teach the rookies and you start getting this whole new generation of hey look these are people there are people you know this is our neighborhood we're going to help protect our neighborhood you know you know i don't know i I I in. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead, Otis. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. I was just saying I agree. Just just a police interaction on a on a on a street level, local level. Just you know, I I think that would uh, would definitely could be a start. I would also, you know, I also think that uh, the fact that you're getting more uh, black cops out there that uh, that makes a, a difference now too. But that you know, I'll go back to the, the police do need to clean up their own act, and that's very hard because again, it's the good old boys club. It's the same thing in any kind of business you have. I mean, when I worked in the elevator union, you know, everybody stuck together. Who did that? Oh, I don't know. I, what? Who? Who? You know, who did that? Who made that? Who wired that? Who did this? Uh, nobody knew. Everybody, you know, they didn't want to turn their buddy in or, or get in a situation. When you're a police officer, you don't get that. You don't get that. Uh, luxury you have to be able to hold people to the to the letter of the law and and to be do a better job and when you have cops out there that you know are bad or you have cops out there you know that can't handle the job you need to be able to do what you can do to get to get them out of there Uh, well the problem is they don't right and i think that's the biggest problem that they don't i agree Uh, with you i also i'll also add i i and i don't think it's controversial or anything but i think the background of cops should represent the neighborhoods they serve. That's true. I like that too. Yeah. I like that um, idea. And, and it just, you have familiar faces, you know, and I, you know, having a, a random city or whatever, say a, a, a 95% black city, but then having 70% white cops just don't look right. It just doesn't seem right. And the people don't, can't relate to each other. And, you know, I, I don't think that's not a problem here in Detroit. I've seen it in the, I think in St. Louis, that was an issue. That was when Michael Br- Mike Brown was killed. And, you know, they talked about the numbers of just the disparity of, you know, uh, the, the people that they served didn't look like them. And, you know, it was just a, you know, a thing that's just been happening for a long time. That's a problem may- in South Florida, where you have a lot of cops who are not from the area, patrolling areas they're not from, so they don't know the people and they don't want to handle the people and they're not used to the environment. They're not, they're almost a fish out of the water situation. It's like, um. I, I'll give you a story, and that shouldn't be that sh- and that shouldn't be a reason for misconduct or you know, mm-hmm. things to happen. But yeah. it just you know have familiarity with the with the people that you know you serve. I, I think would, would 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 go far. Super important. Yeah, I agree. I I have one more major question for you guys before we go because we've been going a while. Someone brought up earlier that made me think about this, so I'm gonna ask Alex this question first. When we talk about the school shootings and stuff like that, specific, specifically. How does the situation look in terms of schools, in terms of counseling? Like, I know we have counselors in school, but can we do a better job with psychiatrists and things like that in schools to help these students? Because it seems like a lot of these issues with schools, shootings and stuff like that, could could possibly be prevented if we had someone in these schools to talk to these students and probably see these red flags happening and prevent them from happening. Because every time we have one of these school shooting stories, we always hear the story about the kids was a loner 
he had no one to talk to or he, he was always planning this stuff. People kind of had an idea he was going to do something, but they couldn't put their finger on it. And then when it happened, they're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense for this kid. And it seemed like if we had more opportunities for counselors or psychiatrists in school, some of these situations, not all of them, of course, could be prevented maybe. Yeah, you know, I'll say one of my uh, flexes in life, I guess, is that I still have this circle of elementary school friends that I grew up with. Uh, we're still all friends. And and one of those uh, people is one of the best human beings that I know. Her name is Jackie, and she works as a school counselor. And I just think of it in terms of one school counselor in a school that can have over a thousand students sometimes, uh, you know, and they're there a certain amount of hours and you have hormonal teenagers who are coming with their home experiences, whether good or bad, into this one building. They're mixing all day. They're being given information from early in the morning to late in the afternoon, and then they're being asked to be tested. They're dealing with their own struggles, whether it be drugs or an abusive home or, you know, whatever their outside life of school is. And then you're being tasked as a school counselor to be responsible for the emotions of all these kids and and being aware of all these children and it's really difficult because even myself I've been in classrooms where it's just me and 30 other students and I try my hardest to my my goal as a educator is always that every student leaves feeling like they were seen and heard and that what they have to say matters and it's an almost impossible task that is being asked of educators where yes it's great to have a counselor in the moment if there's a fight between two kids and they come in but you know, and you can talk in the moment and handle the situation and let's process this together in the moment. But if you have someone that's going home and dealing with the shit they're dealing with at their house and their parents are not fully, in, you know, not involved and parenting is a really difficult job as well. Um, but educators spend primarily eight hours with your kids, you know, and they're not our children. We're here to protect them and make sure that they're mentally doing okay and, and a productive member of society. But the responsibility truly, in my opinion, begins at home. Uh, John had said something earlier about, um, I think we, we were heading more into like a race thing where it was, uh, you know, teaching people how to be productive members of your race and your, and to me, it's like, I think if you're going to teach about your culture and your race at home, that's one thing. But when we leave our homes, we're members of society. We're not just in a one, in a place where everybody looks like us and acts like us and has our experience. So as, as counselors at school, 
which I can say I have dealt with so many things that are, you know, beyond my kids coming out to me, kids telling me about being abused to kids telling me how they're feeling, you know, their mom is cheating and you're just sitting there like, you know, you, you have to handle it with what's the saying with kid gloves, I guess. And yes, while I think counseling is a, a having a counselor in a school is great in the in those moments and maybe having them teach classes about what I feel we're super lacking these days is empathy uh, especially what I notice is with the boys uh, it's it's a it's a really difficult thing uh, the male students have a much much tougher time expressing themselves um, but yeah, I do think school counselors are needed, but it's unrealistic to expect that they will be able to move the mountain that it is to deal with the psychology of what's going on with students, you know. And and it and it and it some and it almost is kind of unfair. You're putting a lot of pressure on you know a, a counselor or a teacher where some of these things should have been should be taught at home but you know even still i think it's still a band-aid you know could we still ignore the main issue is that you know say timmy you know has he goes to his counselor because he's feeling shitty because a kid punked uh, you know bullied him he talks to this counselor and he fucking goes home and grabs his his dad's pistol and come back to the school it's like well how did he even have fucking access Right. And we're not with that. That doesn't get addressed. Like, why does he still have you? Have you ever heard of a fucking school stoning a kid coming throwing rocks at everybody? No, they're going and getting their fucking gun from their parents that don't have it secure some shit. And they're shooting people. You know what I mean? So that's that that, that part just keeps getting ignored. I'm not anti gun. I'm anti. I am for doing the most to make sure this these persons are equipped to use guns properly, store guns properly, keep them from their fucking kids, and all of that. And so, you know, I, I, I we, I, my household is a gun, a gun household. So I'm not against anti, but it's like fuck, we, we keep ignoring why did they fucking have a gun in the first place? It's not the counselor's fault. It's not the teacher's fault. It's the fucking household that made it accessible. Yeah. Right. And you know, now. I'll- I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll just like on my part, I'll I'll just leave it at this. As an uh, maybe as an educator, I'm I'm biased. I've always believed in in education, and uh, schools are, in my opinion, the most important buildings in the community. Everything Absolutely. stems from the school, uh, and it is. I have always appreciated the families that get involved. I, I don't think people realize how much involved you can be with your the, the school districts and and ensuring that you know you're contributing back to the what's the most important building in the community, which is the school. Uh, you know, everything is left onto these educators who are most of the time, I, I've spent my own money uh, making sure kids have lunch or a scarf or gloves or hats or, or and that's fucked up and it shouldn't be that way. Exactly. And I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's one of these things where you'll, you'll have, you know, kids can put adults also in uncomfortable situations. I had, uh, I had a, a 
uh, after COVID, you know, these kids had been out of school for a while and there was some developmentally, you know, a little bit challenged kids that came back and, and I walked in, I think day one to the last arts program, uh, the last, the last arts program, uh, place that I start helped start and one of the kids one of the little girls came up the after uh, I'm sorry we had been there like a week so the kids are all like Mr. A Mr. A and they come up and they hug and they love to see you and they, you know and I'm you're trying to be like a cool teacher with them and then some kid 10 years old came up and grabbed me grabbed me hmm. and I froze I'm an adult and I froze and now I'm put in a situation where I have to handle a classroom full of kids. I now have to deal with this situation. A parent has to be called and I have to go in and have a conversation about what happened. I have to leave the kids behind. It's all a juggling act and it's really difficult. And teachers need help. Educators need help. Uh, they don't make enough money to be handling a gun. I, I'm sorry. Like to me, it's not my job. Well, then no one would want to give you a gun. No one says that your teachers have to ha have a gun. What I'm, I think what we're trying to talk about is that teachers that want to be, that have no problem with, I, I would never give you a gun. Never. There's no see, way. But you, let me say, so you, you say that, but and this is just in the few minutes we've been talking, but I'm like a person of action. When when I watched the Twin Towers fall, I was one of the people on the street pulling people and I took someone to my house and I, I'm a person of action. I have saved lives. I worked for five years uh, in a uh, with seniors where I've had to restart hearts, where I've had to mend. No one said head, you're not a man of action. Head, what head I'm saying. And I, what wait, wait, before you tell me, if if a if I had a gun in my hand and a school shooter walked into my classroom, I would pull the trigger. But are you ready for it? Are you trained for it? You're not, and you don't no, want no, to. No, no, no. I'm I'm not trained. I'm not trained because and you I'm don't also don't want to not, be trained. Uh, I ideally no, but I'm also realistic that I now live in a world where violence is around every corner you have to remember i'm also i'm also a gay man so i have grown up violence has always okay. been around me i have never been able to walk out of my house or be in the house i grew up in without being aware that i was in danger every time i left my house how much more money do i have to give you to uh train and and carry a gun how much more money would it take it's not a money. It's not a. Well, you're saying you don't make enough money. I'm trying to figure. No, no, out. no. I never said anything about the money I make. You, I never did, said. I said, said it. Teachers, teachers aren't. Don't teachers don't make enough money? Okay. I think that How much we can money agree would, on would that. No. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. If I was a teacher and I knew that I could be trained to be able to carry a gun, and if someone came in to take, you know, came in to to threaten students so that I could get out there and save lives, I would take it and I wouldn't ask for a penny for it. But I, that's I think, me. There's two different conversations right. having with this. I think one is the fact whether teachers want to do that or not. And I think the one that Alex said, should teachers have to be forced to do that? No, they I, should not. And, I, and no. that's the and I think that's where the situation where the problem lies. Absolutely. In. I right. think that um 
Alex is saying teachers have essentially Alex what Alex is saying there's teachers have enough shit on their chest. This should be something that should be added on to them. And I get what your point is, John, about that. I think you know, I think you're right. I think if there's teachers who are willing to do that and take that responsibility up, that's a perfectly suitable thing. But I think what Alex is saying is teachers should not it, teachers shouldn't be put in that position to have to do that. We agree. We we agree yeah. on that. Right. And I think I think that's the thing that's really important. Like you know. it, it's it goes up higher in the ladder. It should start with the people who are in charge, figuring out how to handle these situations and not and not be put on the common person that is just trying to live their life and go about their business and be a productive member of society. And I'm not by the way, John. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not, I don't want okay. you to think I'm disagreeing with you because we're in a in a part of history right now where you know, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm like, shit, do I need to start figuring out how to grow my own food and like build a hut in the woods to be away from, is that the training I should be, you know, is that something I should be doing at this point? I'm a little worried about that myself, but kind of, you know, we're in a very, as a person who spends time with the, with the younger segment of uh, population of society, we I'm going to just say it. We are letting our youth down by not protecting them from what is happening in the bigger picture with, with gun violence. We, we are disappointing. We are letting them down. And going back even a little further to what you said was, you know, I think you're you're definitely coming from your your experience and where you grew up and and your opinions. But you, do you have do you mind if I ask? Do you have children? Five. Okay. You're. I'm assuming they're all Caucasian. Yes. Okay. Your children can walk out of your of the front door of your house and not have to worry about the hoodie they have on or putting on the the hood of the hoodie. I agree with Delvin's that children cannot do that. I agree with and that then also. that meets in the middle and falls on the schools. And that conflict and all that happens, all the all that comes together in an educational setting. And it's left to the people who are supposed to be educating kids on specific topics. I'm not a social studies teacher. Now I, I understand, and I and be honest with you, I think that schools could do a lot. They they all want to say that they don't have the money for this, and this is bullshit. I mean, we, we can get money for for, and and I think we could really secure a lot of these schools with minimal amount of financial burden. Uh, there's things that you can do for locks, locking a door so they can't get through. Um, there's a lot of things that they can that they can do. Uh, to make the schools more safe and more secure. And that in case somebody does get through, all right, you're never going to start. If anybody wants to take and give their life up to take other lives, you can't stop them. All right. Um, yes. So I, I don't know what to, you know, it, that's just the nature of the beast. But, but what do you tell, what do you tell the school districts that can barely even afford lunches for kids and I, I, school not, districts that I don't, what John said. He says you know, they need more resources. Yeah, right. They, yeah. There's an, uh, listen, I, I don't want to get into the politics, but the first thing I did, if I was president, I would take the amount of money that they spend on the uh, Department of Education in Washington, the billions and billions of dollars. I forget what their budget is. I think it's like five or eight billion dollars. Take that and spread that out around um, among the school to, to to give better lunch programs, to give yeah. 
safe and secure to help other. The fact that we, I, I honestly, God think that we, the way we do education right now is archaic. The amount of, uh, the amount of technology that we have now to teach kids, because not all kids learn the same and stuff like that, but I don't want to get into that. Uh, mm-hmm. The amount of money that they spend on the bureaucracy of, of schools that could be spent on schools, uh, we could take care of that, but that's not happening oh, right now. Oh, absolutely. The fact that teachers put up fucking Amazon wish lists to get uh, uh, supplies is yeah. asinine and it's fucked up. You don't see fucking police officers put up a list for bullets because they get all the shit they need. <laughs> teachers got to put true. a wish list and that's fucking crazy. They that's don't spend point. enough for education, man. <laughs> they don't spend enough and it sucks, it, you know. But I think simply, you know, if, if they started with trying to just, you know, we I just want to go back to the point of just securing with more like uh, trained people. Not I mean, if, the, if if a teacher wants to, that's cool, whatever. But having other trained staff that can protect our kids could be a great fucking start. And the, it just I don't know who who makes these decisions or starts these conversations. But, you know. Um, it got to be somewhere, and I just, I don't, I just don't know why, you know, and how it's not, you know what I mean? It's crazy. I mean, they take forty percent of our, they take forty percent of our money uh, out of every paycheck, and the amount of money that they waste, and it, it, the ridiculous amount of stuff that they spend money on is crazy. Um, but that's a whole different subject. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying, you're talking about taxes, and yeah. you start talking about yeah, taxes yeah, and the rich yeah. a lot we'll be more. Here three hours and shit. If, if you yeah. even go back to forty percent, yeah. If you go back to even just the the topic of gun control. Look at these rooms when you go into the Senate and six senators are there. And and then you see rows of just empty leather seats because they're out fundraising or doing whatever instead of sitting there and passing these laws. I mean, we have we have senators who would make better crypt keepers. Oh, forget that. I mean, we we, you we know, all talk about we got senators who might shouldn't be probably in the crypts. And that's what I'm saying. And then <laughs> we're that's what we're, the game. It's an actual crypt. Our, our government does not reflect its people. It just not does all. not anymore. It does when you look at the government and the people running it, it is not an accurate reflection of what the country is any longer. But look what and they I think give it us starts there. Look at the choices they give us. It's like liver or mush. These are the two. What, what do you want? You want liver or you want mush? Well, but if really it's a government of the people, if it's us who are the ones, if it's us that are the ones choosing and voting, then it starts in our communities. And, you know, unfortunately, it's trickle down, but really it should be trickle up. It should be trickle up. It should absolutely <laughs> be trickle up. Yeah. As far as gun control, I don't think you're ever going to get full gun control. I don't think that's a, a possibility, but what we can do is mitigate the dangers of it and how to protect yourself and what is the best way. I mean, some states have um, the, the laws where uh, you don't have to retreat. I forget what they call it. There's it's in Florida. The castle law. Is, it the castle castle doc- is it the castle doctrine? Yeah, where you can you can protect your property. I always say everything on the outside of this house is theirs. Everything on the inside of this house is mine. Uh, you know, I will protect what's mine. All right. I don't, you know, whatever you're going on out there, I don't care. Um, But, you know, I I want to be able to have the, the right 
to be able to defend myself. Listen, I'm an old guy right now and, and basically can't get around real well. I can't fight like I used to. I need something, you know, I need a scatter gun. <laughs> Anybody comes well, in. Here, I think, go, I, I don't think, yeah, I, well, at one point, and and I, and it probably could have had this conversation earlier, but, you know, gun control won't, do, won't happen until owning a gun becomes a privilege and not a right. That's a good yeah. point. That's a good point. That's a fair point. Okay, maybe. But again, you still have the people that don't care about the laws. That's the problem. Yeah. And you can I mean, sure enough, that. but most of the I I, I shouldn't say most because I don't um I don't know the 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 uh the stats, but a lot of these shootings happen from legal guns. School shootings. Yeah. Legal guns. I mean, they are, they are technically they're illegally obtained, but they're all legal guns. But you yeah, can buy legally a gun, purchased. You, you yeah. can buy a gun and give it away as a gift. And you can do that a thousand times over. And it's still, you know, there are no there are no laws preventing we all know what a gun does. This is common. This is common that. sense. You can't do that where I live. If you yeah, sell that, a gun that. to somebody else, you they have to go through. In other words, I if I if I want to take and sell a gun to you in in the state that I live in in New Jersey, I have to take that gun to a gun You're in dealer. Jersey. Yes. All right. So I have to take that gun to a gun dealer or a gun shop, and then they have to do a background check, and then that then that is the this the um the transaction is. Uh, then basically that tra transaction is recorded and then, then that other person gets the gun. So it's basically off of your, your tab or your, you know, your possession, you don't have that anymore. So, you know, so you can't just go sell like, I mean, yes, I could sell the gun to you, but if you went out and killed somebody with it and they said, Hey, wait a minute, isn't that John Domingo's gun? And I go, Oh, well, I sold it to Alex. I don't see any record of that. So, you know, that's, that's a situation too. It's it's sticky depending on what state you're in. That's a whole other mm -hmm. topic for another day. Like I know some states you can like literally just sell you get out the back of your truck. Well, Dublin, where we are, yeah, <laughs> literally like it's a like, free for all. Yeah, and I'm I'm a, I'm actually a I'm actually a Jersey boy myself. That's I'm I was born in Hoboken, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, so I know the laws are you know they're just so scattered, and I've traveled the entire country. I just moved here from the West Coast after ten years, and it's just so different everywhere you go, and opinions are so varying based on like you know the experience of like where you're from it's the craziest thing i just think we're so far into this quick what feels like quicksand and we're all just honest to god i thought that uh you know i used to say well that happens in places where there's gun control and people are allowed to cut but then they were started having these mass shootings in texas and i'm like in texas everybody in texas has a gun I mean, usually you would think that when someone walks into a Walmart and starts a mass shooting, that they, you know, that they yeah, would be their guns. Yeah, they I would mean, look Texas, like a Swiss cheese. Texas probably is the best example that everybody having a gun doesn't mean that it won't stop shit because everybody has fucking gun in Texas. If there's mm -hmm. still shit going on in Texas, more guns isn't helping if that's the case. You know? Yeah, that is fair. Yeah. More guns doesn't make no <laughs> sense. It's it just makes no sense to me. Kind of the same yeah. thing in Florida. I think we need to look at who is the root cause of the problems, who is doing these shootings, and then peel back the onion layers from there. And why is this, why is this such a certain, you know, what we said earlier, why is it that the mass shootings are primarily white straight men? What, yeah. what why is this? You know, that's, there's got to be something in there. 
psychology wise, it's not, you know, it's, it's crazy in so many ways. And I mean, you're probably gonna have to do a part two Delvin from this conversation. Cause it's. All right. Well, I'm going to go work on my people. I'm going to try to figure out why. I was, <laughs> but maybe just, that's a good way to look at working on my people. Maybe hey, John, it's, it's, yeah. it's probably pretty proven. If all white men didn't have guns, we'd probably have a lot less school shootings. That's true. All right. Let's say I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'm working on my people already by teaching my kids. You know, that's what needs to happen. Yeah. No, but yeah. I I just, I just, but I just think, you know, you know, the preventing, you know, these kids that are are accessing guns from their parents. Parents need to be held accountable. It's a story here uh, in Michigan. I can't think of the name uh, come off my head, but you know, these parents, the parents, you know, just are not being responsible owners and they should, you know, they they need to to be penalized just as much for shit like that because there's it's no reason that kid should be able to have access and do the, the things that they're doing, you know. Especially just, now just with the technology. I mean, there's things now that you can put a gun in a safe and it's a fingerprint safe and you can, you know, that you're the only person to get it. There's no reason not to have, if you can afford a gun, then you can afford the safety, uh, the safety things that you need to keep that gun safe and out of the hands of somebody that doesn't need it. I would argue, it, you know, if you're going to, it's not even should, you shouldn't, it should be a requirement right. to be able to secure your gun safely. It's not an option. It should be a requirement right. to be you're able to buy, have all these things. Yeah. You know? You're going to so. buy a gun. Okay. Now I need to, I need to know where you're going to keep this gun. Well, I don't yeah. really have a spot. Well, I'm sorry. I can't give it to you, but over here we have this gun safe that you can use, or right here we have this box that you can put this gun in with your, with the magazines and, and everything. And then your fingerprint will be the only one that can open it. Now I'll sell you that. Then I can give you the gun, but I can't get give you a gun. If you got no, if you do not have a safe place to store it, look at us solving the world's problems. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ken. No, no, go, go for it, man. Go for it. I'll go say, and that's, that was my kind of my argument with the whole right versus privilege. A person would say, well, I don't have a safe, but fuck it. I'm going to protect my house. I have the right to. That's my Second Amendment. Okay, I get it. But you need to be able to show that you can keep the safe, safety, safely in your home. And, you know, those things aren't being done. And, you know, that's why some of that shit keeps happening. Yeah. Um, before I go into what I was just going to say, but about you need the gun to protect your house. I've protected my house before I lived in Philly, and I don't own a gun. It's amazing what a, a double bit Viking bearded axe will do <laughs> yeah. when someone uh, sees you I'll, coming I'll towards the door. I might fear that more than the gun. I have, <laughs> you have two swords. I have two swords. Okay. Right yeah, I thought I breaking my back door once and I was you like, you got to get close. Like someone said, why do you need oh, an AR? Oh, I don't need to get that close. I can okay. throw that thing pretty good. Someone says to me, yeah, why do you need so many bullets? You know, that, you know, I'm like, hey, I don't want a fair fight. If someone's breaking into my house, I want superior firepower you know I, I want something that i you know that i have a, a an advantage over that person i'm not into a fair fight when they're breaking into my house that i agree with i'm not trying to fight fair for shit mm. nah. yeah hell with that but uh but I, the, yeah go back to the uh the gun safe you register the guns to people's names why don't they register the gun safes to people's names and then you have to register your gun to the gun safe too that way, there's a double section of safety there. So if it gets out, you know who has it, where it was supposed to be, and then who's responsible for that gun safe. I so the argument the against point, yeah. like a judge dread when you have to when you put your hands on the gun, it won't shoot unless it's you. Yeah. Right. Well, but then we what if you get cloned, man? 
look, I, you know, I, then you're going to say that. The, so then people are going to say, well, what happens if there's a registry and something where you get a tyrannical government in there and they say, okay, no more guns. And then they come to your house because they know exactly where your guns are and stuff like that. I don't know how you're going to stop that. You know, I, I don't know how you can stop so, that, except not allowing the government to get that big and that tyrannical. Again, it's a $65 billion industry. To, to be fair, be. Uh, uh, that, that argument always trips me out because to be fair, they have tanks and jets. <laughs> okay, I'll let you. I'll just say this over in Afghanistan, the for 30, 30, 50 years, they had defeated the two biggest armies. They defeated the Russian army and they basically kicked the United States out of there, too. And how did they do that with AR? They didn't have tanks and shit like that, they just had guns and motivated people. So you can say that they need tanks and, and stuff like that. Okay. But there's a lot of uh, country, you know, there's a lot like Afghanistan and, and and situations like that where we had all the firepower. And I'm not saying true. we didn't do what we, we did, but, you know, we didn't win that war. And we didn't also didn't win the war in Vietnam either. That is true. So that's I don't know. Fat and lazy. I think so. <laughs> I, would say, I would say speak for yourself, but I am fat and lazy. <laughs> I was like, that, that stung deep, man. Stung. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> At this point in life, they're like, hey, we're taking over. I'm like, oh, fuck, I guess. Do I, can I still play my game at the house? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, can we negotiate this? I don't want to go out there and fight. <laughs> yeah. Can't we all just get along? Yeah. As Rodney King said. <laughs> yes. I agree we with him. We try. We try. All right. Let's wrap this up, guys. Let This has been a great episode, great conversation. I guess let them know where to find you guys at. I guess you go first, Ken. Okay. Um, on Twitter, um, you can find me at, uh, I'm not calling it X. Screw that shit. It's um, it's Bjorn, I'm at Bjorn, <laughs> uh, Bjorn the Viking and my podcast is on Twitter at Bjorn's B E O R N S underscore keep, um, and other social media is Bjorn the Viking. So if you see Bjorn the Viking, it's usually me. Also, I play Transformers D&D with him, so that's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Thursday. There you go. Get a new character ready. I guess who go next? Alex, you go next. I am uh, the Midnight MO, the Midnight Mo across all social media platforms, which I'm not a big fan of social media, but that's where we are these days. Um, yeah, I like, uh, I like connecting with people and if you can get involved in your local community art scene, I suggest you go ahead and do that. There you go. All right, John, you go next before your show gets canceled. All right. I have uh, three podcasts. I have the Boomer Bunker, I have Rubberneckers and I have Brand X and you can just search them and they're, they're easy to find. And, uh, I am John at John Jamingo on Twitter. Otis, you go last, my brother. Uh, on Twitter, I am Angry Detroiter, um, and my podcast is What Up Doe, W U D U P D O E. Um, yeah, I do a podcast on buddy named Mike. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't talk about much on Twitter, but sports, random cigars, and bourbon, so not too much going on there, but yeah, that's where I'd be. And Mike is the angry one for those asking. Mike is angry. I, my, my Twitter handle says angry, but Mike is the absolutely <laughs> most. 
angry and he's and he's like he's not even a full angry black man because his dad is white so it's like halfway you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one final question for you guys are going I'm, I'm quite sure i know the answers all you just gotta say yes or no now that elon Musk told we gotta pay for twitter are any of you gonna pay for twitter <laughs> fuck no. i did I have no. four blue sky codes if anybody wants yeah. them. Like actually pay for it, John. Like to use it. Like I what I bought a I bought a blue check mark. I'm like, <laughs> shit, I'll buy that check mark. What is it? 96. I look at it this way. I, I was booted off of Twitter back in the day for my opinions. And then uh when Elon bought it, I said, Hey Elon, check out my account. You know, the reason I was booted was because I called Rob Reiner Meathead. And uh, they went back and they gave me my account back. And I said, all right, you know what? Because you gave my account back, I'll give you $96 a year. That's okay with me. That is white privilege. That is <laughs> white privilege. That is fine. Where the hell I'm giving that white man $96? <laughs> that is uh, I'm, I'm not The definition of white privilege. <laughs> Nah, oh, nah, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing it. If, if, if I gotta pay, pay, I mean, I've met, you know, Twitter as, you know, I've been on this since maybe like oh six. I've met a lot of good people, um, you know, long lasting friends. But at this point, I'm, you know, nah, I, I can figure out my social media stuff elsewhere. So yeah. if I gotta pay just regular just to be on, I'm probably gonna be out. All right, I think that does it for us. We are out. Peace, just like Twitter.